Welcome, everyone, to episode 12 of the Dimensional Cascade podcast, coming at you from Shoreline, Washington. I am Aiden, and with me here in the dungeon, I have... Ricky? Who's just half awake. And Tom? <laughs> Sorry, I was reading your tweet. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. Put that phone you away. You guys are the tweeting. <laughs> yes. I'm new to this tweet thing. Just because you haven't joined the 21st century yet, Tom, with your flip phone. <laughs> no tweeting, no twerking from me. <laughs> I'm an old-fashioned guy. <laughs> I really don't ever want to see you twerk, so. Um, if you want to... Uh, exchange uh, shenanigans with us on Twitter. Uh, um, you can reach me, Aiden, at, uh, at Cascade Podcast. And Ricky is Ricky underscore Fisher. That's Fisher with a C, the German way. The German way. The Germans, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so feel free to follow us there and, and shout abuse at us because we definitely appreciate that. Um, so tonight's episode, we are introducing a new section. Yay! Yay! Um, it is called Campaign Corner. Uh, we're just launching Campaign Locally here and felt it'd be kind of cool to talk a bit about some of the um, stuff that you can do in a campaign. Um, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about specifically about maps. Um, our hobby horse section will also be talking about maps, um, how to build them um, in the, all their various forms. And uh, in our tournament zone, we're going to go over Sparkle Party 4 results, um, a little bit about victory or death that we're all heading to this weekend, and dive into the Secret Army Project. But first, we'll go right into... Uh, oh, oh no, hang on. Hang on. I almost forgot... We're going to have some news and rumors, finally. Before the pit? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we'll have the news and rumors after the pit. Mm. I, was about to, I was about to send us right into the pit, but... Uh, oh, you wanted a synopsis? No, no, no. I think I'll just... Uh, we are actually going to have news and rumors, because like for the past mm. six weeks or whatever, it's Ugh. been 40K, 40K, and some more. Space yeah, space exactly. Space but yeah, now there's some, my eyes some fantasy happening. Yay! Enough power on it. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, so... That's the episode, and we will, of course, start with The Pit. The Pit. The Pit. The Pit. Marcus Wolfhardt is the finest scout in all the Empire, a huntsman from Middenland, whose life was irrevocably shattered when the Drakwald Cyclops, a one-eyed bone-grinder giant, raised his hometown of Drakenborg to the ground, slaughtering its inhabitants. Burning with the desire for revenge, Wolfhart tracked the great monster to its lair. A skilled marksman, he blinded his quarry with a single shot from his bow before closing with the stumbling giant and severing its rope-like hamstrings with repeated blows of his sword. As the giant crashed to the ground, Marcus showed it no mercy, and with blade in hand, he hacked at its neck a dozen times until the monster's head was severed. Doesn't like monsters, this guy, apparently. Nope. Yeah. That is Marcus Wolfhart. Yes, indeed. So, Marcus Wolfhart is our uh, pit entrant this week. Yeah. And um, in an exception to our winner stays on rule, we have ended our heavyweight class and decided to bring Malagor back, who was back the... Back from the dead. Back from the dead. Yeah. Uh, who was our unsuccessful challenger last week. Mm, he came so close when he turned into a mountain chimera. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that was pretty funny. He's back from all glory. Yeah, there was nothing funnier than Ricky's face when he realized the stance of a mountain chimera. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> okay, so... You guys are like, oh no, it'll be alright. Yeah, just go for it. It's fine, don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> so we've got a little bit of David and Goliath going on here. Marcus, Marcus is just a hero. Um, of course, Malagor being Lord Level Wizard. Um, go through Marcus's special rules real quick and his, and his stats. He's got... Uh, Pretty much standard uh, hero profile stats for a human. Uh, he has hatred monsters. He's immune to psychology. And he has the scout special role. Interesting. Have we had a scout in the pit before? No. How does that... I mean, I guess he can deploy... Closer? I don't Closer? think... I don't think he, he probably really doesn't, doesn't want, want to. <laughs> yeah. He could. And uh, we don't really have enough room in the pit for him to deploy behind... No, he could deploy, deploy all the way on the side, like out of charge arc. Except he would have to be more than 12 inches away. So he yeah. No, he probably just wants to deploy exactly where he is. I think, I think he probably does. So he has two other special rules, um, one of which won't, won't be any use in this particular fight. But one is Monster Hunter. So models with this special rule reroll all fail to hit rolls when shooting at monsters. Um... That will probably not come into effect unless he turns into a mountain oh, right. <laughs> Um And uh, he sure. also has uh, Wolfheart's Hunters, or Wolfheart's Hunters. If your army includes Marcus Wolfheart, uh, one unit of huntsmen can be upgraded. They then get the Monster Hunter and Immune to Psychology special rules, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that might keep him alive long, and I, I really don't hold out a hope, a hope for this guy. <laughs> Come on. He's, he's beautifully underdog. painted. I, I like it. Yeah, it's an underdog kind of thing, and, and i quite like to see Malagor go down again. That'd be funny. Um, <laughs> is the Amber Bow, which is basically just a long bow, unless you're shooting at monsters, at which point it wounds on a four-up. And does D3 wounds. So he rerolls to hit, wounds on a 4-up, and D3 wounds against monsters. Yeah, so he's he's pretty good against monsters. And if you have a you know a, a little unit with him as well, mm -hmm. the the tricky part is it's just strength three shooting. Sure. Um, even well well with the rest of his unit, it's just strength three shooting. Yeah. Um, Not a character who would ever make it into an all comers list. I don't think so. But I guess most don't. But he has cool fluff. Mm -hmm. He has a very cool model that Ricky has painted. Check that out. It's on the Games Workshop site at the moment, isn't it? Somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, on on Ricky's Tale of Painters blog, um, I'll probably tweet it actually as well. So, mm -hmm. um, and then facing can't off, we have. Yourself, can you? I can't. Tweeting I can't, everything. I can't. Yeah. I already did tweet it. I think. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. Yes, Marcus has been tweeted already. He's been tweeted. Whoa! That's why he's got that funny look on his face. <laughs> 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 okay, so Marcus is uh, uh, at one end. Uh, rolling for Marcus is going to be Ricky, and uh, Tom is, of course, our resident beast man. So you're rolling, rolling for Malagor. Rolling for the beast man. And we've discussed this already. I'm going to take the lore of beasts with Malagor. Mm -hmm. uh, the pit good. is no place for power gaming. Obviously, a, a level four death wizard against a little dude with a bow. <laughs> a dude with a bow <laughs> is not going to be in the pit very long. So let's go with the beasts. So hopefully, we can turn into a mountain cat. <laughs> and get shot with a <laughs> with an get shot bow. with the bow. Come on. So let's go for it. I'm rolling four dice on the Law of Beasts. Come, 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 come Got my yes. six. Got two six. Yes. One, three, and double six. Mm. Perfect. Now I can shoot you when you die. So oh, I might take the Flock of Doom. That'll be a nice little magic missile. Definitely take Transformation. Take um, 
with this one the amber spear. No, and we've already then, got the amber spear. No, that's transformation. Three is amber spear. Right? Three is the amber spear. You're right. And then this, I'll just switch for wissens. All right. All right. Got my spells. All right, that's a pretty good list. I think against this guy. <laughs> okay, so right. let's take a roll off for first turn. Okay. Got a five. Ricky rolls. Oh, Ricky rolls a five to yeah. my one. Okay. Nice. Marcus uh, is up. I am gonna just take a pop shot. You're not gonna not gonna move towards me at all. Oh, here we gotta change the wound counters back to. Uh, right. No way, man. No way, no, bro. I might actually move. I should move back. In fact, yeah. I have I'll move back in the pit. Oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> Watch me, he says. Well, what we do, you had said to me, told me I couldn't move back. We, we, do, we do have a, a boundaries now, so I think mm. you can probably do that if you need to. Yeah, uh, you don't true. need to. I don't want to take the movement penalty right now, so yeah. I'm going to just take my pop shot. Go okay, straight to BS5. the BS5. Boom. Long range. Hit ya. Hits. Okay, strength three. Okay, here we go. This tough is where you're three. going. Tough five. Tough five. Uh, tough old brute. Oh, no, got a five. Not good enough. Not All right, well. good enough. Okay, Maligor's first turn. All right, take it away, Tom. All right, I am going to move my full 20 <laughs> inches of flying up the field. Flappity, flappity, send a shoot, send a shoot. Four He's inches not charging away. yet. Not charging you. Um, I am going to roll for my winds of magic. And I get five. a five, which is three dice to Ricky, two to me, and no channel. So five dice. I'm going to throw them all. At transformation of Kadon. Okay. Yeah. What? Uh, Turn big, big, big one or little one? Ah, oh, big one. Big right. one. Might as well uh, be mountain the big chimera. Ah, uh, yeah, mountain chimera. Well, I could just do a, a hydra right now. Might be good enough. That'll give me some protection from that stupid bow as well. Hydra. Uh, yeah, I'll just do the small one and try and turn into a hydra. All right. Seems All right. good. Go so I need a sixteen. No! Oh, four God. ones and a four. I got the most horrible roll of the Wow, world. that's uh, a four and four ones gives me a 12 total. Wow. So it's back over to Marcus. <laughs> Our, my turn too? Yeah. Wow, you, you didn't roast me or anything. <laughs> All right, I need to actually move away from you a Should bit. Should have just so ambuscaded him off the table. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. So uh, you have a 10-inch move, right? Yeah. Or, so I need to get at least 10 inches away to get a stand and shoot mm -hmm. against you. Um. I will need to do a march test. I pass. So I'm going to march back here, right into the very corner of the pit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you okay. can take a stand and shoot. So I is, can it, get a stand is it better to just stay where you are and shoot at him? Well, he's got pretty high BS. He can move and take a sh Oh, you have to march to get Yeah, I had to there. march so he doesn't yeah. get another shot. Oh, I, oh, it might be right. better just to uh, just to yeah. stay there and shoot I'll, at him. I'll just stay there and screw the stand and shoot. That seems like a better idea. I'm going to shoot you in the face. Oh, and I miss. Oh, no. <laughs> Unbelievable. You needed anything but a wine roll of wine. All right, go ahead. Terrible. You guys suck. We suck at this game. Hmm. Right. Whether to charge or to turn into a melting chimera and try and breathe on well, you, you can just so charge. Marcus can have a chance you, you at can shooting do both. a monster. You can do both. <laughs> no, but if I charge, then you're never going to get a chance to shoot a monster. I'm just going to go straight to my magic face. All right. All right. Whoa. <laughs> 12 dice magic 12 phase 12 dice magic phase alright so I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna try and just soften you up a little bit with some uh, flock of doom I think so I'm just gonna throw two <laughs> dice at the flock of doom this guy's a jerk <laughs> okay so the flock of doom goes off on a 9 what are you gonna do what's about that, that do to me here that does uh, 2d6 strength 2 hits I think you have to dispel that 
I have yeah, to try. Yeah, because you're never going to dispel transformation when I go for it. <laughs> Such a jerk. All right, I'll throw three dice at it because I don't have any wizard level to stop it. Oh, you still beat it. Uh, I still beat you. All right. Yeah, I only 2D got an eight. Six. Nine. Nine strength two hits. Need sixes. <laughs> two sixes don't, and he's dead. Don't die from the flock of doom, man. That's just lame. <laughs> yeah. Do you have I... any armor at all? No. Oh, my God. Yes. One wound. Oh, one wound. Right. Still in the game. Perfect. Still in the I game. Soften him up. If I can get Ready one wound on this bastard, I'll be right happy. Now. No, you're going to die from breath weaponing right now. I hate you. All right. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw six dice at the big transformation of Kadon. Go for the mountain chimera. Bad rolling again. You might survive this. I got eight, 11, uh, 14. Oh, you got 16, it. 20. You got just it. goes off. And All right, let's see if I can get double off. sixes with these right. three dice. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Oh, oh, so close. Six and a five. Yep. All right. Well. All right. I'm a mountain chimera, and uh, I'm breath weaponing on you right now. So I hate your face. So strength four breath weapon? Strength what? four breath weapon? Are you tough four? Tough four, yeah. Ooh, on a four up, you're just dead. Four up, he's dead. And with no chance to shoot the mountain chimera. No! Oh, it's a three! three. <laughs> it's a three! Alright, take a pop shot at the Mountain okay. Chimera, man. Here we go, turn three. Turn Let's three. see if I can not miss this. <laughs> well, you do get to re-roll, so you're gonna you two, gonna two up re-rollable. Yes, All right. All right. I hit. You hit the Mountain Chimera. We're okay. on a four up. Okay, okay. Always on a four up. Come on, on four baby. Up. Come on. On a four up. Yes! yes! Got right. four! D3 wounds. D3 wounds. You need three here, and then you need to dis... And then you dispel the Mountain Chimera, and then I'm just dead. Yeah. I can't. I already... You've already gone to a shooting phase? No, but... Oh, uh, yeah. In his mm. turn, you can dispel the Mountain Chimera. Well, it's better, because then you got to two shoot wounds. the Chimera. You two wounds. Two wounds on me. All right. All right. Well, if you survive this turn... <laughs> I like how you couldn't even say that without laughing. Oh, no, but it's... Uh, yeah. yeah, he's if, buggered no matter if what. If you survive this He's turn. buggered. <laughs> Go well, charge in there and eat him. <laughs> I should have gotten out of your charge arc is what I should have done. Oh, yeah, if you were smart. Yeah. You would have had to march, though, and then there's no shooting. So. Nah, because you would have been, like, here. You would have been this whole big guy. But anyways. I don't, I don't know. Charge right. and eat me. Here I go. Imagine <laughs> Chimera is declaring a charge. Would you like to stay At least I got away? two wounds on you. He you can't can run, run away. away. He's immune to psych. Oh, you're immune to psych. All right, you're burned. Oh, Alright, we've got combat between Marcus and the Mountain Chimera. Show us those badass monster slaying skills, Marcus. What was it? You hacked at his head with your little sword. Do it. <laughs> Why don't you try that? Well, are we in the magic phase? The you can't cast any spells. I'm still roll wins. I'm gonna roll wins. Oh, so Ricky can Ricky try can dispel and, it. Yeah. Yeah. Low wins, low wins. Oh, oh, ten for the win. Five, five dice. All right. All right what is Wait, it? if Ricky rolls this, and then I'm, can I still use my power dice after I turn back into nope. a wizard? Oh, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. No, because this, this happens at the end of the magic phase after all the spells. Does yeah. it? Suck it. Does it? Yeah. It does now. <laughs> all right. We'll no, see we, I'm going to say no. I'm pretty sure I'm still going to be. What did I need to get? 15. You only need a 15. No, you need a 16. 16? Because you're Failed. level zero, right? Is it so. 16? Oh, you rolled a 15. Failed. You rolled a 15. The, the low casting value is 16. Oh, I thought it was 15. Failed. Okay. Uh, so we've got the Mountain Chimera. All you fans of Marcus, the, I'm sorry. Uh, I so long, you. Marcus. Mm. I failed So you. what's your initiative? Marcus Human goes three? first, but he's not going to do anything. Is it? What no, is you're, he? you're a hero, so I think four. Well, let's not forget that the Mountain Chimera is initiative five. So you go first. So I'm going first, okay. <laughs> With how many attacks? Let's see, 46 plus 1. 
Oh, that's 12, 17, uh, 20 19, attacks. 20 attacks, that is, yeah. I think we can safely Five. say oh, Marcus don't, is Don't dead. take this away from me, man. Come on, oh. I'll just roll 10 of them first. I'll roll 10 of them first. What's your uh, Tom, weapon Tom, skill? I used to like you. What's your weapon skill? Less than seven, probably. Probably yeah. four. Right. It's yeah. probably it's five. Four. So is it five? There yeah. we go. Out my first ten, I've got eight hits. And then oh. two, zones. Yeah. Oh, there we look go. at that. Look, he's dead. <laughs> look oh. Who knew? Who knew? Mm. Okay. Know. Well, I it, thought I knew Tom. I thought you just hack at the head with your little sword. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is this is a case where where fluff and rules don't quite match mm, up. Right. In combat, he's got nothing to do. He's got nothing. Yeah. He's absolutely nothing. And he's supposed to. Well, and I mean that does fit with the fluff because well, he's supposed to kill and blow, right? Why not? Yeah, he should. But he, he should. the whole thing is he's supposed to be in that unit of of. Huntsman dancing around behind the main battle line, taking pop shots mm. at monsters, softening them up before they get in on you. You know, if and, they uh, all wounded on a four up as a result, oh, it'd be that unit, devastating. Yeah, that would be that would be very good. I mean, mm. even even if they were just you know uh, at strength three, so they still had you know unmodified mm -hmm. armor save and everything. Mm -hmm. I don't think that would be too unbalanced. And you know, I I really like the fluff. I've got the model. Well, well, my son has a model because mm -hmm. he really likes the fluff. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, this is the, this is kind of the opposite of Alathanar because Alathanar has pretty cool rules and is quite good. But his but model, model is crap. Oh yeah. <laughs> now we have a model that we want to be awesome. But, but it it just doesn't kind of live up to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, excellent if you want to take uh, you know some kind of uh, a hero yeah, on foot. I think if you wanted to play Empire without Canon, I think he would be a good option. Yeah. Because he, he might give you that. You like know. a more rural Empire yeah. force yeah. or something and like, like that? A, yeah. And like a kind of story-based game. If yeah. you know you're fighting like a chaos horde with a bunch of monsters, it would be kind of cool to take him. Yeah, just to kind of and dance his, around. His little and huntsman unit. See how many monsters he could kill. Mm -hmm. Keep keep track of it. See how many times he dies. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that was the pit. It was a little bit rowdy. <laughs> I blame Tom. Tom's a jerk. That was a lot of fun. Come on. It was a lot of fun don't, to smirch the little guy. Don't have fun there, Ricky. <laughs> I can't Sorry. believe you didn't dispel that. If you dispelled that. I buy one pip. By I know, one right? Pip. Uh, might have, you might have, we'd have only had one wound left. Uh, and, and I could have you, scratched you could have scratched. You have three attacks in close <clears> combat. It's <throat> true. And I think you would have been simultaneous as well. Uh, oh, well. not, if, to be, if, uh, not to be ifs and buts ifs and buts, and buts. Uh, right. no talking about buts this is a family friendly show <laughs> alright so buts, fun buts, buts, buts. that was the pit um, I guess we will have Malagor back next time yeah Malagor versus the changeling mm. oh, that'll be an interesting fight so the changelings are demon so special character go ahead and turn into a mountain chimera then and we'll see what happens <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just going to be a death wizard and just take pop shots oh come you. on oh, gosh. <laughs> This guy! <laughs> I'm taking away Malagor from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess now Malagor's entered the pit as a beast's wizard. He should stay a beast's wizard for the rest of his time in there. That seems fair to me. Yeah. Um, so the changelings are demons, entrant. And then we only have a couple more, I think, to do before we've done every army. Um, yeah, we have Bretonians, which I was holding out, hoping that they were going to 
you know, because there were all those rumors that they were next. And then, Don't think so. Then it may be time to visit the super heavyweight category. No, I think no. for, for <laughs> Batonians, you bring out the Green Knight, right? Uh, yeah, it's probably going to be the Green Knight. They I don't really have a lot stuff. of choices. No. And then we still have Chaos Dwarves. Um, mm. there's, but we only have one, one special character. There's really Chaos only Dwarves. one special character. He is an awesome model. He's an awesome heavyweight. model. Heavyweight. Unless you go for like one of the fan army book things where they have all the old characters from the old Chaos Dwarfs. No. Nah. Nah. Stick with the Tamarcan Stick one. with the Tamarcan yeah. one. So yeah. I'll be doing a Forge World order for that one. Nice. Um, but the... Uh, who else? So Chaos Dwarves. Oh, yep. VC. I gotta mm. decide which vampire to take. <laughs> That's now, what I was thinking. Nagash is the super heavyweight. Nagash is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> news and rumors. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's coming up in news and rumors, and that would be super cool. I think to you know you want to paint that model. Oh, I do, I do for you sure. You would need like one of the Storm of Magic monsters to fight him, though. Like oh, we the... would no, we would have to put all the other guys mm. in the pit against him. That would be sweet, though. This would be it. Would be like a two-hour pit. It would be a full podcast <laughs> of the pit because Nagash. We'd Within have to a do that one on video. We'd have a whole yeah. army. Yeah. Nagash will just have a whole army. We'd have to get yeah, Jesse yeah, over here to um, bring Nagash. over all his, um, yeah, all of his skeletons. skeletons. Yeah. So we could just keep throwing skeletons out. All right. So, but once we've done all of the armies, then we'll start uh, just putting all sorts of fun and interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I'm going to keep painting more and more. So if anybody has something they really want to see yep. get yeah, in absolutely. the pit, yeah. um, I think so. I want to do, there's a... A um, couple Skaven special characters I want to paint up. I want to, um, for sure. I, want, I know I want to do that. I'd like and to get some of the monsters in and just, you know, yeah, duke I it out. Or, or some units even, mm, you know. It's like, mm -hmm. who would win in, in, a, in a fight between... Phoenix Guard and Executioners. You know? Doing the doing the monsters would be really cool because it's like if the Roman yeah. gladiators when a champion yep. was super awesome. He would yeah, yeah. I love fighting people to like lions. Yeah. Put Marcus in the pit with a with a giant. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> a one-eyed giant. Yeah, one-eyed grinder giant. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, cool. All right, that's enough about the pit, and uh, we are gonna roll on here right into our news and rumors. Mm -hmm. News and. Rumors! Okay, news and rumors brought to you by our favorite Englishman. Mm. Just about. Do we have Tom? <laughs> any favorite Englishman? Come on, well, guys. He's, he's the closest thing we could have to a favorite Englishman. <laughs> favorite Englishman. Oh, yeah. The only acceptable one, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, a hated Englishman. The closest <laughs> thing you have. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. so I have um, been incredibly busy at work the last couple of weeks, and I've seen little bits and bobs floating past, and little images and glimpses here and there, and I'm steering clear of it all. Cl you you so, want to? So lay it on me. Tell me what. <laughs> tell me what's coming. Well, so early at the very beginning of this month, we were hearing rumblings um, that there was something really big for fantasy on the way, and like I, I didn't pay it much. Uh, much credence, but it turns out something really big for fantasy is on the way because it turns out um, next week we're having released um, the first installment of the End Times supplement, which is going to be a whole... This End Times thing is going to be a whole 
big new storyline and campaign, something we can get involved in, um, something that kind of dramatically moves forward the fluff of the Warhammer world in general. Mm -hmm. About so, time. Yeah, exactly. So basically, ever since I was into Warhammer, I don't know if, if you guys go further back than this, but every edition I've played the kind of current state of the Warhammer world you know, the, the the kind of history of the Warhammer world has changed a bit, but in every edition, like, the current time period is kind of teetering right on the brink of Archaeon's invasion of the old world. You know, there's the Chaos Hordes amassing in the north. Yeah, I kind of predate Archaeon a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but you're right. All that they've really done is they've introduced new stuff and then retconned everything to be still at the same time period. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, for at least the last few editions, the the status quo of the Warhammer world has been hanging on the edge of this kind of chaos invasion. All the armies are getting ready. Like, it's a very uncertain time. You don't know what's coming. Now, about 10 years ago, we had the Storm of Chaos campaign. Mm -hmm. Were you playing Were you playing back then? I was, yeah. yeah. So that was the... That was like a resolution. I have that of, book, um, in fact. It's right. pretty fun. Yeah. So this, this was like their attempt to kind of resolve Archaeon's invasion. People got to play along in this giant campaign that kind of moved forward the storyline. Yeah. Um, and then fluff-wise, that ended with um, Archaeon being kind of defeated, but he wasn't killed and he kind of ran away back to the old world. There was this new guy, Valton from the Empire, yeah. who was like Sigmar Reborn, kind of. Yeah. And he fought with uh, Archaeon, and then it ended with him being murdered by the Skaven, kind of thing. It was this really cool thing. But then the next edition of Fantasy came out, and the timeline was just reset to before yeah. Archaeon's yeah. invasion. And all so that like, just didn't right, matter. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't like permanently change the fluff of the Warhammer world, but it was this kind of, you know, we yeah. had that opportunity to kind of resolve the end times of the Warhammer world. And now what we're having is kind of an alternate interpretation, I think, of Archaeon's invasion. So a chance to kind of do that all over again. Like, this doesn't come after Archaeon's previous invasion that we resolved with Storm of Magic. It's just like an alternate ending, essentially. So, so for those people who don't know who Archaeon is, because a lot of people don't read the fluff or right. don't know all of the fluff, mm -hmm. who is Archaeon and why is he a big deal? So Archaeon is the ever-chosen of Chaos. You know, there's always these Chaos incursions from the north, um, and usually they're like a big Chaos Horde who is led by a great um, hero who's backed by one Chaos God, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it happens time and again in the fluff. The Chaos Horde comes, tears down an Empire City, and then gets, like, spanked yep. backwards. Yep, kind of like north. the Vikings. Mm -hmm. Yep. But then, like, right at the end of the Warhammer fluff timeline kind of thing um, that you, you know, you read in your army books, there's this new chaos hero emerging, and he's kind of been going through these trials over the last few hundred years or something, being tested by all the chaos gods, and gradually has gained the favor of each of the four chaos gods. So rather than just being a chosen of one chaos god, he's the ever-chosen of all the chaos gods, and he's like the, the mightiest hero that there's been, I don't know, for as far back as the, the timeline goes. 
And, so um, he's kind of a big deal. He's really a big deal. And because, you know, he has the, the favor of all the gods, he's amassed this mighty horde. Chaos worshippers love to, to follow a strong leader who has mm -hmm. the favor of the gods. So there's like a chaos horde the size of which, you know, there's never been seen before amassing in the north. And that's where our current Warhammer timeline just stops. You know, the Empire knows it's coming and are kind of preparing for it. Other races are kind of preparing in their own ways as well um and it finishes there and like i said storm of chaos kind of provided some resolution to it but then the timeline was reset and now we have a chance to resolve this whole invasion over again but it's going to be significantly different this time um in ways that i think sound awesome Cool. So, so, so Nagash, um, Nagash is probably best known by everyone as the the undead ass clown uh -huh. um, of a model, the worst model ever created it's, by Games Workshop. It's definitely up there in the in the top ten mm -hmm. pile of dog poo. Um, but <laughs> so, so I, I've seen some. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, I've seen some models uh, or some some photos of the model, the new right. Nagash model um so so let's talk a little bit about nagash like, right so how how does nagash fit into this whole end time story my, my, um, my understanding of nagash is he's kind of like the first undead guy sure is that is that accurate or reasonable right accurate? so in the ancient empire of, of neakara but yeah. which became the tomb king's homeland he was the first guy who got like super obsessed with kind of what happens after death and can we prolong life and bring people back from the dead and because of that he was an outcast mm -hmm. but he became and i think he learned magic off some dark elf captives they had or something and he became insanely powerful and did indeed find a way to to bring back the dead oh this is ringing about if i remember rightly uh like he had this cult that worshipped him right and he even though he died they kind of uh, they they kept worshiping him until such times as he he came back or something. Like yeah, that. I think yeah. yeah yeah he he definitely found a way to like immortalize himself essentially. Yeah. But he became like an outcast in Neakara and the the like actual king of that empire just wanted him dead. So there was then this huge like civil war in Neakara, which ended in Nagash getting defeated, but somehow at the same time unleashing the spell that just killed everything in in Neokara, essentially and then when nagash somehow resurrected himself maybe this is what you're hinting at maybe there was some cult who managed to bring him back and then he managed to raise up all of the the people he'd killed with that massive spell and cool hence were born the tomb kings yep and then and then didn't he did he start the the vampire counts as well or what how's what's his tie-in with the vampire counts yeah because i thought he i thought he was the like the genesis of the vampires. he was the genesis of both the undead yeah. things so he um yeah i think i think before he had killed everyone in neakara he had like started up this cult as well so like the first official vampire was neferata okay who was going to be one of the characters released in this big release oh cool um and i think nagash kind of created her some or like he gave her the power to prolong life through drinking blood or whatever. Uh, interesting. And then, so, like, so hence were born the kind of vampire cult. So he definitely has a hand in creating both of the 
undead races, but he was himself, as a man, he was a, a Neocaran, the okay. race who turned into the Tomb Kings. That, that's kind of cool. <clears throat> I mean, it, it does put me in mind of the movie The Mummy, you know, or something along those lines. Yeah, where, right. You know, where he's been around forever. And yeah, and there's some really powerful. cool, like, there's some, I'm not sure if it's official GW art or, like, fan art, but there's, like, the series of pictures of him at different times in his life. First, there's this very, like, Egyptian-looking wizard, and then he starts to become this like raggedy skeleton thing still in like Egyptian kind of clothes yeah. and then it's just like kind of becomes progressively the Nagash we know now which is like this massive skeletal figure kind of skeletal like because uh-huh. <laughs> he, awesome. he can shape reshape bone and everything right well he has this whole crazy history where he spent a really he spent time as an outcast living in this like big warpstone mountain and like ate a crap ton of warpstone and it turned him <laughs> that's huge not and good even for more you. powerful. It's yeah, right. Sounds, sounds all right to me. So he's been killed. Vitamin w. <laughs> he's been killed a bunch of times. Um, once by Sigma himself, I think, because he tried yeah. to invade the empire. Don't they always chop him up into bits and he, yeah. eventually his bits reconstitute? Yeah, yeah. So, so there was one, there's time, one bit left. He f- he got into this massive war with the Skaven over this big warpstone mi- mine, and there was one point where um he was killed by it took like the in the the Council of Thirteen had to forge the fell blade. And then the whole Council of Thirteen and some crazy assassin all fought Nagash. And like six of the Council of Thirteen died, but managed to kill Nagash huh. in the process. Dude. There's some really cool... hardcore. Yeah. yeah. He, it's amazing how many different races like he pops up in the fluff for. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, <clears throat> so the, the really exciting thing now is that they're tying... So Nagash the current timeline has been gone for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I think the last time he was killed was a long time ago. So now the really cool thing is that they're tying Nagash in with this whole end of days Archaeon invasion story. And the tie-in is that Nagash had this ideal of a whole world of undead, a world just you know, with dead things walking around ruled by the undead. <clears throat> and the vampire Celts have slowly been trying to, you know, pursue that ideal. But they've now realized that if there's this massive chaos incursion coming, their time is kind of limited. They they want to try and um, force Nagash's ideal before this this chaos invasion happens, I guess. So somehow he's reconstituted and, and come back to life again. Right, so this is another life. really cool thing. About a few months ago, or maybe even six months ago or something, the Sigmar's Blood campaign book mm-hmm. was released. And at the time, and up until now, really, it seemed like that was a standalone thing and didn't really tie in with anything. It was just this campaign. But the fluff for that book ended with uh, Manfred von Karstein, who's the current... Uh, von Karstein, head of the family, I guess, after Vlad died. Kind of like the vampire Kardashians. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the it crowd in yeah, Sylvania. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a... Uh... Yeah, harsh but fair. Anyway, that campaign ended with the campaign was all about Manfred trying to gather some artifacts and stuff that he needed for some ritual, and it was only vaguely hinted at in the book what ritual that was. But now it's become obvious that that ritual is the ritual to resurrect Nagash. So this basically 
fits in straight after the the Sigmar's Blood That's campaign cool. book, which I think is really cool because it makes that seem like a more significant thing. Yeah. Whereas pre, I had heard good things about that book already, but it definitely seemed kind of standalone and not tied to anything. But now, but now, but now it it's like a precursor. With, it's yeah. a precursor to this. Sweet. So, yeah, our first. Apparently, this end time thing, end times thing, is going to go on for a few months. There's going to be four books in total. Wow. The first book and release wave is all the undead stuff, and then there's going to be a chaos book and release wave. I think a Skaven one, because oh, they have man. some part in this whole thing. All right. And one that I haven't heard any rumors about at all. One would assume Empire. Uh, yeah. Only because I, I've heard... There has to be something to fight yeah. all of these crazy undead factions. I've heard that Kislev has been destroyed. Well, that's the thing. As a part of this End Times campaign... This time, Kislev is going to be entirely wiped off the map. That way so they like, don't have to keep telling people, no, we're not making those models exactly. anymore. <laughs> but apparently, Stop essentially, us. The, chaos, the, the, the boundary of the Chaos Waste is just going to spread south. Mm. And one interesting thing that I've heard, I don't know if this is just rumor or whatever, but I've heard that in Ninth Edition, they're going to actually not reset the timeline and we're going to be at this point in yeah. which Kislev has been wiped off the map and is no more. And cool. the Archaeon's invasion is in full So we're in more, more of a state of... More of, kind of crazy, uncertain time. Yeah. Awesome. In That'd which people are having to make like dubious alliances and stuff. So I yeah. think this is kind of a fluff way that they're going to put more alliances into Ninth Edition. Awesome. Interesting. Yes, yes, Interesting. Yes, yes. Because obviously this this end times thing seems like it's not just everything evil against the Empire, because Nagash and his dudes don't want the Chaos invasion. Yeah. So they're fighting against Chaos, but also probably fighting against the Empire because they want everything to be dead. Well, but likewise so. you could then start to see alliances between undead and and you know, some of the order forces of order right, because exactly. you're fighting against the Chaos well, incursion exactly. or vice versa. One of right? the one of the rumors I heard about it was that all armies, even my goblins, are going to be able to cast that new lore. The, the lore of undeath. The lore of undeath. They're right. all going to be able to do that. Wow. So that basically everybody can summon... Summon undead. Undead. Which, and, which, which means everybody's going to start collecting them because, right. you know, I would love to summon skeletons. And <laughs> it also, if you think about it, it ties in with the battle scroll releases that they've sure. done. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, some of the... Um, uh, the the scrolls of binding that mm -hmm. you've already got in the storm of magic exactly. and, and what happened. so I think definitely all of this is going to happen as part of this end times campaign it's all going to be possible the interesting thing is going to be to see how much that like carries on over into ninth edition or how yeah. much it's compatible yeah. with just the general rules of the sure. game I I'm going to say here officially I'm going to try and incorporate as much of it as I can into my tournaments because I think it's fun sure yeah. um, so, so in the end the end time rules. Um, one one change to the rules is that the Lord's Allowance goes up to 50%, yeah. which allows Nagash to get into more Well, and that allows so, a lot of crazy fun stuff. Let's talk a little bit about Nagash and his rules. Right, let's, oh, talk, yeah. let's talk about the actual products that are coming out in this first wave. Yeah, yeah let's go through that first. Which is, um, so in the first week, apparently, it's just the, the book, which is going to, it's a, a two-book set, 
Um, mm-hmm. 80 bucks, I think, is the price I saw. Okay. It's expensive, but... At, Still cheaper that, than Triumph get, and Treachery. Right. <laughs> for that, you get... Um, there's a rule book, which is 100 pages, I think, or 96, whatever. Yeah. And then a fluff book, which is like 250 pages. Whoa. Which sounds Just really fluff. awesome. Wow. Fluff and, you know, all, all maps and, like, introductions to all the characters who are going to be a part of this mm. end time. They so, have wow, been busy That is big. I'm excited because that could be, like... a like a really it's not like a novel it's just no it's, you know the kind of fluff yeah like yeah pure BW background fluff, background maps like pick like uh, ways work. to incorporate every army that'll into be like, hey lizard man this is so, what you do i think that <laughs> yeah. i think that book set is going to be really good actually i'm planning on getting a, a copy of and it and how much yeah. was that going to be 80, 80, 80 or 85 okay. bucks i think for those bad. two books together okay so our first wave is going to be that which will include all the rules for the kind of undead faction of um, the End Times campaign, which is Vampire Counts and Tomb Kings, because a big part of the campaign is going to be apparently Nagash like, reuniting those um, armies. Nagash is going to battle Setra. He's like, hey, we're all bones. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> battling Setra. He's going to battle Setra we, to try and We might have to reenact the, uh, that in oh, the pictures. Oh, man, because <laughs> we have Setra painted. <laughs> so, so, yeah, our, our first week of release is the book and the Nagash model, which is worth talking about a little bit because... Oof, I've seen it. It's pretty. Because it is yeah, mind-blowing model. Yeah. I think, like, the... Sculpting, the sculpting yeah. and the painting on it are just stunning. Yeah. yeah. So, so I again, that kind of puts me in mind more of of like Hollywood, the Mummy, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. You know, um, very. Uh, I, I, oh yeah, I'll bring up a picture of it. He's floating um, on this big like spirit well, host holding. Yeah, him all the spirit hosts are like him. holding him, and mm-hmm. he's got all these like bone tentacles going all around him. <laughs> Kind of like Dr. Octopus yeah. or whatever. So it it's just a really cool. dramatic model because he's kind of floating in midair. He yeah. has this big, like, staff of whatever. Staff of smash your face. Staff of, staff, staff of suck it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, reading reading his book, one of the nine books of Nagash. Yeah. So actually, if you look at the model it, within that spirit host, you can see all of his nine books floating around. That's awesome. So the, the nine books of Nagash is one of his rules. And then he's... um. Uh, he's level, level five, five right? wizard. Yeah. He's level five wizard. That he can choose between. He has nine spells. That's the nine books rule, <laughs> and he can choose them between. I think death, light, neokara, vampires, and this new lore of undeath. And he can choose as many spells from each one as he wants. Uh, so he can just take the signatures of like a bunch of different laws. Whoa! So many bombs be cool. on that guy. It's a lot of bones, but I I yeah. think it's a mind blowing model. Yeah, I'll yeah. be I'll be painting him, but <laughs> my, uh... dude, we might we might see you next year. I know you paint fast and all, but there's but a, that lot, is a lot, lot of detail. Yeah. Yeah. That's really a lot of detail. Um. So yeah, his his rule the full rules were leaked and um from White, White Dwarf. Dwarf. So White Dwarf will go on sale this Saturday, I guess, and that is going to contain his full rule set so pick that up if you're interested in seeing what you're going to be up against yeah he's a thousand points he is which a thousand is points. a lot of points and yeah, he's pretty much sevens across the board but because they made it save. because they made it so you can do 50 percent right boards, you i'm just kind of do i mean he has some amazing abilities but he's still two cannon shots yep. short of i wish they'd given him 
your sparkle giant immune to multiple wounds kind of thing. Yeah, well, you don't know what's really going nice. to be in that lore of undeath. That's um, true. It could be a lot of healing. I would, he's probably going to heal himself yeah, a lot. I would be very surprised if the lore attribute wasn't something similar right. to the life bloom. He could, yeah, and he can take, if he takes the um, signature from Neokara and vampires, he can heal himself. Yeah. Through, yeah. through casting those, I guess. Yeah. So you need to double cannon shot him, and, In a single and he's turn. got a four-up ward, four ward. So, you know, he's got a 50-50 chance of just shrugging off any cannonball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not going to die in one turn very easy. You no. would have to put everything I hope into not, him. Because that would be super and, lame. And if you're doing that, you're ignoring his lieutenants, which yeah. you can probably get in there because they're probably going to be heroes. Yes. Or, and then, you know, you got to deal with maybe you know, everything else coming at you. So, well, and you know, if you're Nagash, the chances are you're, you're going to be raising a lot of trash stuff in front of you to stop those cannons. So that's one of his rules is that, um, any, any kind of raised dead spell, he he casts, he triples the number of, of models that come so That's instead of raising so he like raises a whole 10 army skeleton, he raises 30, 30. Yeah. so that 1000 point label buys you like an army essentially yeah. Yeah. But the, you know you need to have those models yeah. so you're gonna have to sit and paint a lot of skeletons <laughs> well, we, were, we were joking actually when Ricky was first talk, telling me about it um, online I said yeah we should just have a one day event where you either bring Nagash or a thousand point army and it's like, here we go. You duke it out. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you start with Nagash, and uh, and you're facing an a thousand, another thousand points. It's like that would be a pretty fun. That event. would be a lot of yeah. fun. Um, so yeah, he he is um, definitely intimidating. Um, Just think how sad that would be, though. You know, first time Nagash came, it took Sigma to kill him. Second time the whole council of 13 and some crazy blade and then he comes back and just gets shot off the table two by two cannons <laughs> <laughs> that would be so sad well, that would be so that lame. doesn't happen the, yeah and, and no matter what he'd come back from that yeah he'd come back that's, for sure but yeah, that be would a little anticlimactic he would just like reconstitute and then yeah. smash those smash cannons smash the cannons yeah. when they were sleeping indeed um, anyway yeah, yeah. The, that's, that's cool yeah, I don't know he kind of he kind of reminds me of Voldemort or somebody, you know, or, or Sauron, you know, mm-hmm. some ultimate evil. He looks kind of skeletal. skeletal. <laughs> well, he, you know, he in looks as well, but just like in fluff terms, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. where yeah, Voldemort is a good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what he was. He, you know, he, hid bits of his soul in different places kind of like Voldemort does with the Horcruxes I'm showing myself to be a massive Harry Potter oh, nerd right that's now right. Um, wow. Harry Potter fan too you're outnumbered are you not a Harry Potter fan? Uh, get out me. <laughs> like, sorry they lost me at the flying broom <laughs> the hockey Quidditch <laughs> yeah, okay. you, you would like that alright alright so let, let's, let's not get let's not get sidelined too fast um, anyway okay um, so so he's coming out this weekend right or, then, or the 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 White Dwarf is coming out this the weekend the White Dwarf is this weekend and that's gonna uh, show you that we're now able to pre-order Nagash in the book. Okay. But because pictures from the next Warhammer Visions have already been leaked, we kind of know what's coming All right. in at least the next couple of uh, waves of this of the vampire or undead, but at least. Let's talk a little bit about those. So we have another we have a, a dual kit or a triple kit which can make three special characters. 
and they're all riding this big kind of have you seen this model yeah they're riding it's incredible yeah it's it's this big it's not a dragon because it doesn't have wings but it looks like some giant kind of bone monster bone tiger almost which is floating on a big spirit host thing that's pretty cool and um it's like a bone juggernaut right it's huge (laughs) a boner nut so it makes <laughs> anyway, wow, is, that just went downhill fast. <sighs> this is why I shouldn't podcast on two beers. <laughs> Let's get you a third. <laughs> I have no editor. <laughs> anyway, we'll cut this. <laughs> no, we won't. No, we won't. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So they're writing this. Yeah. Well, this is this is a big. I when I first saw it, I thought it might just be a small model but i think it's on a chariot base and it yeah, is kind of a huge, big model yeah. so this rep you can build it as three one of three of um nagash's lieutenants so you can build it as manfred von karstein riding this big monster thing so manfred i guess is the guy who is resurrecting nagash and then mm-hmm. becomes one of his lieutenants and then two previously dead characters who nagash is bringing back so one is uh neferata i don't know if mm-hmm. i'm saying that right who like i said is the first vampire um ever who, who nagash created as the first vampire anooks and a moon uh from the mummy yeah. oh yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> sorry it's just i mean it's the same it, sort it, of idea yeah, i'm guessing yeah so yeah, uh, you can build it as her, or the last one is Arkham the Black. Oh, I is, remember him. Yeah, I think is he currently a special character in the Team Kings book, or is he just in the fluff? He's in the fluff. I He's know. He's in that. the fluff, but n- maybe might, not. He might be in there. I can't remember. Wasn't he like a uh, standard bearer for him or something? He was like Nagash's most in this like cult that Nagash had, uh-huh. who were outcasts. He's still in the Team Kings book. He's a, he? actually a character in there. Yeah. Okay. So now, yeah, this is gonna. This is um, a model for him. Well, I also heard that they were doing a Tomb King Colossal too, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, that one haven't haven't been pictures released yet. There's been. Oh, really? I thought I'd seen a picture of. There's that. been pictures released of this kind of monstrous infantry unit, which are called. Uh, oh, I saw those. Yeah. Neck. Uh, no Morgasts or yeah, something. Really. They're cool. like these kind of flying bone ogre things with a bunch of swords. Yeah, they're like. It could be. I can't remember the fluff on what right. that little paragraph said, but it was stunning. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that Arkhan's going to get need to get new rules because currently he has the staff of Nagash. Mm, he's going <laughs> to give that back. <laughs> pretty yeah. sure Nagash is going to say, he's like, you want Nagash is like, excuse me. <laughs> um, but he is Please apparently you have something to Nagash's most able lieutenant. Right. So, um, that's that's kind of cool i'm really excited about all this because yeah me too it's like something is happening in the warhammer finally world. it's yeah. not just a slow trickle of rules and models it's like yeah something it's like big boom yeah here we go it's happening and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know um i think i think as a community we really wanted to have games workshop kind of show the love right yeah and this right. this seems like this seems epic yeah um, fills this fills up there with all of like the Primark releases, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. I'm yeah. excited to see I'm this. Really I don't excited. play any of these armies, and I'm yeah. excited to see them. When I first saw they were doing this, I was kind of like, "Nah, I wish they would just like update the last army book soon." But, ne- but update the last to. army books first. They are, but going yeah. to. now I'm glad that this is happening yeah. instead because this is not just like 
a new army release or something. This is like this is a, a fundamental something change. Permanently almost, yeah. might change in the Warhammer world and yeah. the fluff because cool. of this. That'll be very good. I'm stoked. All right, so um, lots to look forward to. Well, so, yeah, uh, we're going to have news and rumors for the next, for the few, next few episodes, weeks, probably. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, nice. Maybe a few months down the line when these new the other parts of the end times supplement is coming out cool so great stuff i'm very excited about that um uh, in other news um we'll just touch lightly on it uh games workshop released their annual report um they they made less money this year than they did last year by about i think about 20 million mm. um but they've saved a bunch of of costs um but the interesting news to me is that that tom kirby is stepping down as the interim ceo and they are effectively doing an open call for anyone to apply to be the CEO. Um, and if you want to be the CEO of Games Workshop, what do you got to do? You got to write them a letter to say why you should be the CEO. Now, it's not, they haven't um, opened that up. They're opening it up next month. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to get at least 50,000 letters from <laughs> just random Warhammer ran, fans. Like, ran. I know exactly what the community wants. Yeah. Well. yeah. Um, I rolled dice five times this week. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also think it, it's kind of in fitting with, you know, the, the ethos of the company in that they're looking for the right attitude and the right person as much as they're looking for, you know, someone who has the right skills. Right. Just the right degree. Yeah. And, and it, it actually makes me more hopeful for the success of the company. And because if they are picking someone based on, you know, kind of their, their joy and love of the game and of the, in the hobby at large, they're much more likely to find someone who is um, going to try and, and make it great. Right. Somebody who's just really enthusiastic about the company rather exactly. than just about the spreadsheet. Exactly. So, so um, that gives me that gives me hope, um, and um, I am I am not going to be applying. <laughs> Dude, um, come on! No, no. Wouldn't he be a great CEO? No. no. You don't think? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would. No way. No. Um, he, and would, he would. He would fire anybody who said. 40k that's not true <laughs> that's so not true i love 40k i just don't like playing the game yeah <laughs> i like 40k just not the game no no the, I, or I, the power no, armor I, I i like the power yeah, armor, power armor cool. um i'm all about three up saves um i i love the fluff i love the models except maybe that space wolf chariot that just seems dumb mm, um, that is a bit dumb but um, <laughs> you sent me an email about that wanting me to buy it i opened it up like oh, uh, what is that <laughs> a 40k chariot pulled by wolves it's yeah, just right i've yeah, seen somebody, it um, but um <laughs> no no Whatever, i mean we have a. Uh, we have a eagle chariot which defies physics no no just like i was thinking about the demon like skull cannon ones that are just like you know you can pass off anything when it's magical but who in their right mind in the year forty thousand is going to get a chariot pulled by wolves that's a just hovering a... chariot pulled by wolves <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> anyway. oh i have this chariot that hovers what do you need the wolves for <laughs> you just put a big engine I know, let's on use there. wolves as the driving mechanism though. and if the wild wolves die does the yeah. chariot stop moving yeah, oh, stop. that's right a battery sorry <laughs> Um, no, just shoot the wolves. We should put stop, 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 stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, the deal breaker is I'd have to move to Nottingham, and 
uh, I like it too much in Seattle. Mm. So, so amen. Yeah. Um, if if Games Workshop wanted to come to Seattle, yeah, maybe <laughs> I'd think about being the CEO. <laughs> I'd consider, <laughs> I'd consider it. Yeah. No, seriously though. Okay, um, that was news and rumors. And <laughs> well, and the the last news and rumor is that Matt Ward has left the building. Yeah, that's right. Bought us um, our three elf books, or but two point eight elf books anyway. Then he dropped the dropped the mic and ran. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's, it's true. He ran before the, sis, the Sisters of Twilight backlash caught up. Yeah, yes, yeah, so he forgot to finish the Sisters of Twilight in the magic item section in the World Elf book. Um, anyway, um, yes, Matt has has allegedly left. Um, I. Uh, I don't think anyone is. There's been no press release or anything. The um, the twins, the sculptor twins, uh, what the Perrys, the Perrys, they have also left. Oh yeah, um, they'd been running their, their own. Getting kind of dated though. Anyway, they'd right? been running their own historical miniatures mm. for quite a while now, and they've just left to go into that full time. So, gotcha. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably a sign of how much uh, GW is moving towards digital sculpting, digital sculpting rather yeah. than rather than the traditional. Mm -hmm. So, yep, some changes in the studio, um, changes in the sculpting team. Um, but, uh, you know, with the, seeing the new miniatures coming out and the new well, stuff coming out, I'm pretty excited. Apparently we're going to be having uh, VTOC and Phil Kelly writing the lion's share of the stuff from now on. Those guys are good. I like those guys, yeah. Yeah, so, so. no complaints here. Yep. The Tournament Zone! So, most recent uh, tournament we had was Sparkle Party 4. Um, that was about, oh, about three weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're running a, about a week late on our, on our normal podcasting schedule. Um, that was one of the uh, one-day qualifiers for the Masters. So we had uh, some of the, the chaps come down from Canada and up from Portland. Yep. So we had a really well, good crowd. Well, even further than Portland, weren't they? They're uh, uh, Salem, sheep. Yeah, they're the Salem guys. Yeah. Salem, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, so, so we had most of the region represented, which, you know, is exactly what we're trying to accomplish with the Masters. You know, get more people traveling to the tournaments in the yeah, different get, cities. Yeah, get a lot of... Back and forth, and yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, all yeah. the Cascadians were there. Yeah, yeah, represent. So um, it was a one-day tournament, uh, one point short of three thousand, and uh, um, fairly simple scenarios. We went over them in a previous previous episode. Mm -hmm. um, if you are interested in some of the um, um, game by game details, I know the Chumphammer guys who came down uh, went through all nine of their games on their podcast, so check that out. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool to hear those. Um, I think we'll just cover kind of the results and then I'll talk a little bit about Masters. So, Ricky, you want to talk us through some of the results? Uh, yeah, let's just, uh, we'll start with overall and just kind of get that out of the way. So, um, I'll do the top five. Uh, so, starting with Eric French, who is a local guy here. Um, he plays down at the Kent store, GW Kent store. Mm -hmm. Um, then we Which had, was he playing? Uh, well, that's a good question. I can't remember mm. now. Um, I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, right. I can't remember. Um, then we had, uh, Patrick from up North Canadian. Uh, he's got the, uh, chaos warriors, the chaos army, mm -hmm. uh, Dale with his ogres, um, Dale Johnson from also from Canada. That was the uh, so well. Dale was the third place. Patrick was fourth. Um, then we had Peter Davis who um, 
came down from Canada as well. So we had a, a you know, two, three, four, John Palmer, two, yeah, three, John Palmer. Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So those guys kind of cleaned house there. Peter had his lizard men. Yeah, Peter with his lizard men uh, did really did really well with them. Uh, Eric was playing ogre kingdoms as well. Uh-huh. Ogres, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. And then uh, taking first place, best overall by just a, a, a margin. A yeah, something like that was Riley yeah. um, with his dwarves. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. So, um, so USA number one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. but yeah. barely. <laughs> um, actually, I think uh, it's worth pointing out that Aaron took sixth place. Um, so, oh, yeah. Aaron's yeah. part of our local friend group. of the show. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, he won the first Sparkle Party, I think, as best, best, best general. general. Best general, yeah. yeah. And uh, um, Riley actually won best overall for the first Sparkle Party. So, so Riley's won two Sparkle Parties. He has, yeah. The man to beat. Yeah. Yep. Amanda also did really well too. She was what? She yeah, was, she was seventh. Uh, yeah, seventh? Uh, yeah, with her Skaven. Yeah. Um, a previous. Uh, she's best, best painted. She's won before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, player's choice. Yeah. Um, well, so let's see. Then we can go through battle points really quick. So, which is the best general uh, category? Uh, so, third place was Riley. Um, second was Eric French again, and then first place was Peter Davis. Lizard man with his lizard men, yeah, 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 and that's actually mimics his result from uh, Wet Coast because he had first battle points at Wet Coast, but mm-hmm. came second because of paint. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. been he's been the bridesmaid twice in a row now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so Riley's paint pushed him up to I, the top. Yeah, spot. Riley's paint definitely pushed him over because. Yeah. Um, um, he had uh, thirty-five yeah, paint Peter, points. Peter Peter had what almost. He had seven more battle points. Yeah. Seven more battle points than Riley. So, yeah, very yeah. much. That's yeah. what it was. Um, so then, best paint. Uh, and this is one that got messed up. And I ended up giving, and I should say, there were a couple scores that got messed up um, there at the very end. And then I went back through everything the next day, verified everything. And we ended up giving away um, awards to a couple of the wrong people. I've contacted them. I'll eventually get, when, next time I get medals printed i'll get new medals printed and i'll get that stuff to you guys so if you're listening i apologize again but so this one changed up a little bit um this was uh for best paint let's start with um i'll start all the way down at at fifth again um with chris michelson um who was playing his vampires this time Yep. yep and then we had riley again with his dwarves for fourth place and then right above that was soul blair with his warrior's army, mm-hmm. and he was playing uh, you are predom- the mammoth, right? Yeah, he did in Sparkle Party Three. This I time he this was time. no. This time he didn't. He played. Um, it was all trolls. He had mm. Throg and trolls, and I thought I saw that beast. mammoth again. Was it? It was. Uh, he just had it, it on the display. He had it on the display. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it was. Um, let's see. What did he? What did he do with? Yeah, it was pr- prim- primarily a monster mash. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, it was well, a really fun list. Good, good, uh, good army points yeah. value and, and tournament to do that with, right? Yeah, I know yeah, a lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, really well painted. And then second place was Patrick, um, and then first place was Amanda. Amanda. And the points difference between those two was just one point. Uh, it's interesting. He uh, Patrick judged himself a little he kind too of harshly hard on himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he did. Um, yeah, but- that's you know that's typical good of modest Canadian good modest guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's typical of uh, most artists can be. We're our own worst critics. Well, usually. Also, yeah. I think um, um, you know I did that the first time as well, 
Yeah. Uh, and then the second time, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll just, you know, try and get all the points, try and get all the points I, can. I can. You know, what's why not? And mm-hmm. um, so I think uh, maybe he'll do that next time. Yeah, I think, and I think he was. Yeah, like I said, probably not. He was probably being really hard on himself. Yeah. And, and now not, you've come out and given him the full points, so he'll know next time. Yeah. Like, yeah. He'll know what the standard is. Yeah, and but, I'm yeah. also rewording the painting to be a lot more cut and dry now. It, some of it was very subjective, and I was trying to spread points across all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so we were adding like three tiers to basing or three tiers to movement trays, which... They don't need. We don't need three tiers of movement okay. trays. You need a movement tray. Mm-hmm. It needs to be at least primed. Have some color. Yeah, and fits done. In with the army. If yeah. you've done that, then you get the points Check. for that. Cool. That's and that's all it's going to be for movement trays from now on. It's, you're not going to have those kind of frivolous things. Um, it's going to be a lot more focused on the actual painting. There will be tier a lot of tiers in that. And then the rest of the stuff is going to end the display board. I'm still going to push people to have display boards. So okay. expect that. I'll, we'll go over that in another episode sure. as we get closer to Sparkle Party 5. Um, then we can move on to favorite, well, favorite opponent. We don't really even. No, that, that's good. Yeah. Uh, just in the interest of time, let's just just, just move on. So, so that was that uh, Riley, um, uh, Peter, and, and Dale, and Dale yep. for second, third overall. Um, so that really shook up the Masters rankings. Um, it has been confirmed that Canadians are allowed to participate for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Masters, so that's really good. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, a good third of our region is, is Canada. So mm-hmm. um, we currently have only 14 people eligible for a ranking in the, in the U.S. Masters based on having competed in both a one-day and a two-day. Mm-hmm. Um, so of those 14, um, the top three are actually the three guys who came down for Sparkle Party, unsurprisingly, um, because those guys had great results from Wet Coast GT as well. And in fourth is Paul, who's been on the, um, mm-hmm. Paul Garvey, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. Um, and then, uh, we have, um, Taylor, Flesh, Josh Bauman, and Christopher Bailey, who are all black sheep guys who all came up for Sparkle Party 4. So they've managed to, to um, boost their points. And then Ryan Montsell, um, mm-hmm. well, one of the local guys, Lizardman player, um, is in eighth. So currently, those are the eight guys that are qualifying for the Masters. Um, we have Sparkle Party 5 and the OFCC Open, which is... Uh, so first will be OFCC Open, which is a one-day. One-day. Then Sparkle Party 5, which is a two-day in October. Mm-hmm. And then we have Ham Slamwich, which is the War <laughs> Hamsters up in, in Bellingham. Oh, are, really? They're running a one-day in November. Hmm. Oh, cool. So that will be the last one-day that... Uh, Ham Slamwich. That, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, it's because their club name is the War Hamsters. Um, <laughs> so it's the Ham Slamwich. Um I think Sparkle Party 5 will shake things up a lot. Spar- the, all three of them will, to yeah. be honest. Um, if Riley wins Sparkle Party 5, then he's going to... Yeah, for sure. Because that's what he's missing up. is a two-day. He has right. no two-day. I mean, no matter what result he gets in that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to boost him up the rankings for sure. Um, and, uh, and then um, after all of that is said and done, then we have the King of Cascadia to settle the last two spots. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So um, that is Sparkle Party. That's the Masters. Um, let's very quickly talk about Victory or Death. Uh, that's this weekend. 
Um, I'm hoping to have this podcast out before we go to victory or death, um, which we're leaving tomorrow. So I'm hoping to edit it, <laughs> yeah. edit it early tomorrow and, and get it out. Um, so we've got victory or death, and um, uh, that is a 2,500 point uh, two day GT up in North Vancouver that mm-hmm. the Jumphammer guys are running, or Dale Johnson's running. Um, it's not part of the Master Circuit, but um, should still be a great tournament. I think they're gonna they're looking for about forty to fifty people somewhere in and around that number. Mm-hmm. Um, some guys coming up as as far as way as Northern California for it. Um, so um, should be an interesting and diverse crowd up there. Um, I'm bringing Ricky Skaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are taking the Skaven. Yeah, I'm oh, taking hey. the Skaven. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I uh, I feel like um, I still haven't quite decided the list. I it's going to be really hard to not take the double hell pit. I really want to. Why would you not? Well, because um, with ogres, I I agree. I don't know. (laughs) With ogres and the predominance of of flame, a lot of people are saying you're better off taking double doom wheel, double warp lightning. Uh, Like, oh yeah, I could see that too. Um, Yeah, I would. I mean, I would go for the balance. I would just do one of each. I would would do double hell pit, one warp lightning. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards. Can you fit double hell pit, double warp lightning? And no, I don't think so. Not if you give them spikes too. Well, Mm -hmm. even if you. Don't give him spikes. You can't in twenty five hundred. I would do. I would do two of them and one what planning. Yeah. I mean, the yeah they have a few bad matchups, but in the right matchups they're just gonna smash. They have very absolutely. few bad matchups. Yeah. Hell pits are just so good. The only reason we're not seeing them everywhere is because people got tired of them. You know, they are still just that good. And now Aiden's not tired of them. But no way. I'm just yeah. to scale them, I had tons of fun with them at Sparkle Party Four. I got to play one game. And uh, they just wrecked face. Like one one hell pit took out, uh, took out a, a, a dread saurian and mm-hmm. uh, and two car- took out the dread saurian and two carnosaurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, yep. And they Boom. can do that. Yeah, and they can. They can. They can roll a whole army. It's oh, so great. It. I it's know so it. great. I love those things. I just want the opportunity, even if I don't win, the opportunity to roll a whole army with one monster just sounds so much fun. That's the what you take to see every dungeon scene. Yeah. <laughs> the only surefire solution to them I found is Kadai Destroyer. That's a pretty good solution to almost anything. Yeah. 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 Apart from Dragon Bane Hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Anyway. Pesky so that's, uh, that's Victory of Death. Um... Okay, that might make the Masters circuit next year, but we'll talk about that more when we're talking about Masters again. And then um, the last thing we want to talk about is the Secret Army Project. Nobody How come we, we can't talk about it? Everything's a secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take an exception. Maybe we'll have to flagellate ourselves a little bit later. <laughs> okay, so so what the Secret Army Project is is on their way back from Wet Coast, um, Anthony was you know, lamenting how he wanted to show up to a tournament with an army that nobody has ever seen before or even heard of him talk, you know, talk about uh, creating or know that he was creating and just blow everybody's mind and be like, yeah, take that with this. And um, we all thought it was a great idea um, and actually said, hey, let's just do a whole tournament where we all do that. Um, And then somehow that turned into me running it. (laughs) <laughs> so i guess i don't get to participate but i think that was i think people were trying to keep me from participating it's because we have you chained up page and pet models so yeah no yeah there's no time for this no time yeah you're too intimidating we were <laughs> <laughs> you, right, right everyone else would just quit yeah okay so um but what what it is is um you you have to create um an army 
from scratch, you know, start starting from scratch. It could be an army that you've had sitting in the closet unpainted, but the point is is that you would paint it now. If you already have it halfway done, then, you know, I guess that might work, but as it would be something ideally that you've never played before, nobody knows you have or suspects you have, and you tell nobody about it except me. And you do it in confidence, get on the forum, email me, or however you want to do it. Just get a hold of me and let me know. We're going to have a deadline of January 1st. That's when you have to let me know that you're in. And then you're going to have to pay 40 bucks. It's going to be a $40 buy-in. And you're betting against yourself that you complete the army um, by sometime in March. And sometime in March or April, we're going to have a secret army event. How about June? No. <laughs> no. No, we're going to try and get it done. Um, so what it is, is it's going to be 2,500 points of an army. It doesn't have to be a legal list. It just has to be 2,500 points, and it has to be at least, did I say 15 models? Yep. It yep. doesn't have to be legal? It doesn't have to be legal so you can actually because, play tournament because illegal army? It's, it's going to be... It's not going to be a tournament. It's going to be a gaming event. Mm -hmm. And if you don't actually want to play, you just want to paint these models, you can do that. The only stipulation is, is that the, there's either 15 models and 2,500 points. So it could be an all chariot. It could be whatever you want. It doesn't have to have characters if you don't feel like painting characters. Or it could be all characters if you want to just paint all characters for a particular army. So, so it's, about, it's about an art event as it much is. as it is. This is more of a hobby event. There is going to be, we're going to do a two, it's going to be a two-day event when we do have the event. Um, we're going to play four games, but we're going to use the extra time that you normally would play with those other games. And to just do, enjoy the... To actually just set up the, the armies and enjoy them. Take some time to photograph them. Everybody can appreciate them. Talk about what they did to create them. Get a lot of really cool scenery yeah. so that they look good. Yep. Good lighting. Yep. PowerPoint presentation. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. All of that. Yep. Um, if you if you if you tell Ricky you're you're participating, you get a, a paint log that's completely mm -hmm. a not a completely private, so that nobody can see what you're doing while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And then we can flip those all to public after the tournament. Yep. Yep, we can do that for people too, and then people can, you know, log it all and in secret. I wouldn't even be able to read them and see it, so that's fine. Um, all I ask is that when you do tell me you're participating, don't tell me the army you're you're making. I want to be surprised as well. Um, I think that that would be really fun for me. If I if I can't participate, I'd like to at least be surprised by a few of you. Um, the other thing we're doing for this is uh, we're doing a black market. So I'm. <laughs> I love the black market. So. Uh, I have a box that sits in my bathroom now uh, when I host game night, and it's a black box that you can secretly go in the bathroom to take a dump and <laughs> put whatever exchanges of bits that you need to do. So there's one um, sub-forum on Dimensional Cascade that uh, as long as you don't use Tapatalk um, will hide the username right you just come up as guest and you yeah. just shows up as guest you, write so you can what, go on you, what bit yeah. you need for your conversion you're working on in your secret army and then whoever's looking can incognito say they have it yep, yep. Um, so you can use the black box in my bathroom if you need to make an exchange or you can do um, exchanges just hiding stuff in bushes or um, I did see that on there how, actually however you want to do it you guys can do it um, you know I think it's kind of fun to try and make them as challenging as possible you know 
um, hide them out in the community. Yeah, here's do, your GPS do, location. Yeah, do do drug deal type stuff. I think <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but again, the whole point is to to create the army that you've always wanted to create, even if it isn't truly an army. It's just a collection of models. Um, you're required to have a display board. The display boards all need to be two two foot by two foot. They can be smaller, but uh, make them two foot by two foot with no height restriction. If you want to make it 10 feet tall, go ahead. I don't care. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to be doing it, it, it's better to aim for an army that you can play unless you want to have an army that is purely a display, a display. Army. Exactly. I know I'm treating it as a way to actually get an army that I think would be really fun to play well, yeah. with, yeah. As, yeah. Well as, yeah. as well as a kind of crazy art concept that I have yeah. in my yeah. mind for a while. Yeah, but I have been approached by people who have asked, does it actually need to be a legal army? And I'm going to stick to that it doesn't. So you yeah. sure. so, um, good. You yeah. know, by, by all means, make, make whatever models you want. Just, you know, at least 15 models, 2,500 points. Cool. Okay. Um, display board to go with it, mm -hmm. as themed as possible, as beautiful as possible as you can as you can manage. So the four games that we will play, um, they're going to be just random assignments. You can grudge match people if you want to try and play against that cool army that you love. Um, but we're also going to do blind deployments. Um, so the first games are just going to have to be random because nobody knows. Nobody knows yeah, what yeah. anybody's got. Yep. So hopefully, what I'll what I'll do is I'll take. Um, curtains or scrap foam core from work whatever i can get all kinds of scrap foam core and we're going to basically people will go to their table and set up their army and deploy their army with this like a screen down with the middle screens of the table. down the middle of the tables so and then and then you know after you guys roll for first turn you take the screen down and you get to see you what see you're playing against, against. That's so, awesome. nice. yeah. so that at least that first game we'll be able to do that and that should be kind of fun and a fun way to reveal yeah you know what you're up be, against a big fun. reveal yeah. yeah so cool we'll try and make it as um that's really awesome as you know tear the black sheet off kind of thing as, yep. as we can i like it because it's something that like i would just normally never do i'm somebody who generally will design an army around playing so every unit that i want to incorporate in my army i'll test a bunch of times before i mm -hmm. make the commitment to paint it because i want to make sure i'm actually gonna want to include it in an army but now you have so to take, this is take the opposite approach take the opposite approach and exactly. just paint stuff i want to paint whether or not it might be good in an army so yeah yep. that's kind of the whole point it's a lot of fun is strip away that whole need to win aspect of, mm -hmm. of the hobby and um, yeah, Tom. I think that I think if uh, if sure. it's you successful that away and there's no hobby left yeah if it's <laughs> successful I'm going to do this annually um, I think that this would be something that I would love to continue um, and I would like to do more just straight hobby events you're just you're just going to make us all drop a thousand bucks a year to do a new secret <laughs> every year. <laughs> well, it can be different people, or, or you know, potentially um, I could run it if you want to. Um, if you want to do an army one year or whatever, yeah, you know. I could probably still do an army. <sighs> yeah, jerk. <laughs> work one in. I'll just work an army in there somehow, <laughs> and it'll be a hard army, with like three hundred models, probably. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm dad. Yeah. Uh, I'll be in a gashing. I'll be in a gashing. <laughs> More skeletons. <laughs> yeah, 2,500 points where you've got two Nagashes and a chariot. Mm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's your, and then 12, 12 skeletons. There you go. Right, Nagash, the new Manfred, and a few skeletons. <laughs> That's, all <laughs> That's all I need. That's all I need. All right. So, um, again, 
contact me if you want to do it. Um, as we get closer to, we're gonna we'll keep talking about this, trying to get people to communicate. Again, don't tell anybody you're participating. Hide the models from people when you're not working on them. Don't play test it. Paint, make it make it beautiful. And we're gonna have tons of prizes. Um, None of them are gonna be for winning battles. Nope, there will be. No. I assume because it's a a Ricky tournament that's. Storm of Magic, Monsters Arcade, oh, yeah. Monsters are all legit. Oh, yeah. All there, is, there is no comp. There is no comp. You can <laughs> build whatever you want. And, and it's not even going to have to be legal, so you, right. can, yep. you can make whatever you want if it's yep. beautiful. Yep. You know? And if, uh, if people, like, I, I wouldn't care what people show up to the table. If I was going to play at this event, I wouldn't care. Just throw it on the table as long as it's at least 2,500 points and just push them forward <laughs> you know, see what happens <laughs> and uh yeah sweet yeah so uh, just keep that in mind people think about it yeah Make your dreams a reality so if you want to contact ricky you can get him at um, ricky at dimensional cascade.com and uh or you can you can uh, contact him via our forums if you just go to dimensional cascade.com uh ricky is um zoxtile x-o-x-t-i-l-e um and uh, either of those ways is a good way to get in touch and tell them you want to be taking part. Yep. Cam, 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 Okay, as mentioned earlier, our brand new campaign corner section. Hopefully I will have some kind of bumper by the time you hear this, but probably not. I'm really lazy. Um, <laughs> Just say it in the sick world voice. That'll go oh yeah, it's time for the, the campaign, campaign corner. corner. Um, no. <laughs> So, Campaign Corner, uh, this is, is going to be a, a semi-regular section where we talk about uh, stuff for our not just our campaign, but really running campaigns in general. We've been talking a lot about um, army books um, in our episodes just because we've had two released. And we've also talked a bunch about like tournaments because we've and, gone to yeah, a whole lot. And a lot of tactics and... Yep. All of, our, all of our kind of gaming sections have been kind of how to win sections, whereas yeah, I guess the campaign, sec <laughs> the campaign section might be more just kind of a fun themed play kind of yep, exactly. uh, talk. Exactly. And so we ran a campaign before we started the podcast and, uh, and we had a bunch of fun with it. And then um, I'm starting up a new one now. And this one... Um, I'll just briefly talk about it. it has has twelve players in it, um, plus me as the games master. I'm not playing, um, and it is set in a in a fictitious, a doubly fictitious, I guess, um, group of islands. Uh, <laughs> doubly fictitious. It's fictitious in a fictitious world. That's though. right. Uh, <laughs> I see. You get it. I see what you do. Yeah, a little bit of uh, of Inception there. Um, <laughs> um, My mind is blown. Yeah, in the Great Great Western Ocean, is that what it's called? Um, somewhere off the coast of Albion, you know, southwest of Albion. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of the different armies have some reason for being there or for going there. Um, nobody knows uh, exactly everyone else's point in being there mm -hmm. or where they are. And... Um, yeah, I'm going to... We're gonna, not all just after the same thing. You're There's not all like just after the same thing. There's some kind of item there that no. we're all after. No, no, nothing like Everyone that. Everyone has their own motivations. Yeah, and so um, the... 
Um, we, we'll, we'll talk more about that campaign as we talk about um, all the different stuff during the different campaign corners. Um, but we're going to kick this one off by talking about maps, because that was the first thing I had to do, was create a map to go with this game. Don't pick at the pit. Leave the pit alone, Ricky. <laughs> he was doing it first. <laughs> do, you, do you want to step into the pit? Do you, do you right now? Yeah, right. We'll, we'll 24 a, inches apart. We'll have a, we'll have a tape measure duel. I've got to get you like a Rubik's Cube or something to fiddle with. So I, you, this is why I paint. I, yeah. I, have this, I have this clothes peg that I'm enjoying fiddling with. I literally cannot sit still. Like, All right, the stuff we do oh, in God. the background here. Let's paint tomorrow. I should just bring my you should, you should, yeah, just well, say retain. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fine. Um, okay. And then you can tweet, like, beginning of podcast, end of podcast, <laughs> progress. Like, <laughs> like, three oh, minutes done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, yes, we had to create a, I had to create a map. So you don't need to have a map in every campaign, but I, I feel like it lands so much to the story of the campaign, right? You, you start to feel like... This is where my army is, or where my headquarters are, or I feel like most campaigns are tied in some way to a map, even if it just provides, yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole thing. Provide. This is a visual game. It's true. That gives you the that whole visual wall element. tied to a map. Yeah. 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 For sure. I think without a map, it it just becomes like a league, or you know, so yeah. Right. You don't feel a sense of story in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so, so our first campaign, uh, we have we have two mighty empire sets that that Ricky painted up. Um, so, mighty empires. If you don't know, the current version of mighty empires is is a very simple set of campaign rules um, that uh, come with about forty eight, I think, tiles. Sounds um, about right. And uh, the tiles are mountains and rivers and mm -hmm. and various other bits and bobs on them, and you they're hex. And you can combine them into a map and you can paint them. They click together. They're two-sided. Most of them are two-sided except the mountains. Yep. So and you can have some variety. Yeah. And um, uh, so so we did that. Um, the thing I didn't like about that was that the rules were, they, they actually kind of were independent of the map in, in mm -hmm. some regards, right? You you. The map was kind of like a way to represent score. It didn't feel like yeah. you were... Way, yeah, it was. Yeah. You could attack anybody, no matter like yep. whether you were next to each other on the map. Yeah. Um, the only thing that the map did was you couldn't conquer someone else's territory unless you were next to them on the map. Right, and you had to fight a battle against them to yeah. conquer the territory. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's when it kind of started feeling a little more real. It's like, all right, now we're actually fighting this adjacent army over this bit of land but in general it didn't feel that tied to the map yeah and by that stage the campaign was almost over yeah right the, the rules said that once we had like 10 points mm -hmm. that was the, that was the game over yeah that and that campaign went so fast it did very know? fast and i found you're you're right in that the campaign rules didn't really provide anything to make it feel any different from just a bunch of different games yeah. played yeah. in sequence. Yeah, you know, because there was nothing to talk about, like what scenarios you should do or mm -hmm. how many points or anything like that. And so the reason that I wanted to step in as Games Master for this one was to kind of change all of that, right? You know, some of the most interesting games I've ever played, um, like role-playing games or whatever else, have been the ones where you didn't necessarily know what you were shooting towards. Right? Mm -hmm. You just had, right. you had some motivation and and you follow that motivation, right? And so that's kind of what I've done with everyone. I've said, you know, tell me who your general is uh -huh. and, and what you're excited about in terms of, you know, in the campaign. Make up your own fluff 
Um, and if you can't think of any, I'll help you out. And, and uh, we now have 12 people um, with, I think we've got about eight different armies represented. So we have some duplicates. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different mission. And right. everyone actually has two or even three missions, like a primary, a secondary. Yeah. Um, and that's going to evolve over time. So we needed a setting to make that possible. Right. And then just going back, so the, another problem with the Mighty Empires was that there was a very clear, simple win condition that was the same for everybody. You know, claim X number of hexes. And so the more competitive gamers amongst us were able to just be like, all right, I take this sequence of steps, and if I win all my games, I can win the tournament within three turns or whatever. And yep. that is actually what ended up happening, isn't it, with yep, Aaron? pretty much. Yep. Won within three turns. Very, or, very, very quickly. Was, yeah, yeah, very quickly. Um, without any, like, narrative developing at all, really. No, none, like, none whatsoever. Right. Um, and, you know, people had the opportunity to write some stories, sure. which, you know, I took advantage of, and Ricky did, and Aaron did as well. Yeah. But but it felt disjointed. Yeah. And so, so I want to tie things all together a little bit with this. So Yeah, and I think in order to, to create a really, like, rich narrative campaign, you do either need to be kind of following one of the preset... GW story campaigns or to have somebody who's willing to do what you're doing now and kind mm -hmm. of step in as a games master and create that new narrative. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the General's Compendium, which was an old sort of 6th or 7th edition um, supplement that, that the... Um, yeah, that one was a good one. That, that has a bunch of ideas on, on how to run campaigns in mm -hmm. there. So um, if you are... Um, stepping off into the campaign world I, I'm you can dig that one up on eBay it's not too expensive um, chances are the bindings falling apart because it wasn't very well bound but, yeah mine's falling apart and I take good care of mine yeah so but but it's good stuff in there um, so I want to really just focus on the map on side maps. of things for now and we we kind of just before the show started we were talking about well what are the sorts of maps that you could possibly create um, and I and I think there are probably uh, well, before we, before we get there, the first thing you have to choose is what's the location for your campaign, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of maps available, um, but they tend to be for very big locations like the whole Warhammer world uh -huh. or mm -hmm. the old world. Although or, there is this incredible map that you can find online now that's like the super detailed oh yeah. um, old world map. And you can really zoom. So if you wanted to just pick a very small bit of the old world, you can zoom in and you'll have like 10 towns in that area yeah. that have been like... You could do a screen grab of that. And then on this can... map and then you can be like, all right, we're fighting over these 10 towns. Which you wouldn't even see on a on a normal size Warhammer World map because yep. they're so such so that's um, actually the best the best resource for Warhammer maps um, is it's called Gitzman's Gallery mm -hmm. um, that's Gitzman with a Z um, and uh, if you Google for that um, that has the the massive map on it. It also has like, copies of pretty much every map ever produced for Warhammer. Um, it's designed more for Warhammer roleplay, um, mm -hmm. but um, it applies um, equally well to fantasy and has some of the um, the battle maps that were they created for for Warhammer campaigns. In yeah, there as well. I love that. I was able to like zoom in on the the Darklands and pick like the exact mountain that my Chaos Dwarfs were from <laughs> you when nerd. I was coming up with the fluff mountain. Yeah, I'm a nerd. <laughs> Um, but just to give you an example, there are five different maps of, of Albion on there. 
um, you know, half a dozen different maps of the Border Princes region um, and so forth. So there's, there's plenty to choose from. Um, so, so yeah, selecting your location, I think is important because, uh, it can affect what armies are in there. Um, it can affect the, um, types of scenarios you might have. Mm -hmm. Um, and it obviously affects the flavor and, and story of the campaign. Right. So what I wanted knowing, knowing that I had so many players, um, I don't expect every player to play in every turn. Um, so that's, you know, I've got 12 players. Um, we're going to take a turn every two weeks. I expect that some of the players will miss their turns. Sure. Uh, um, but I wanted something where I didn't feel restricted by the geography, which is why I kind of created my own spot and, and created some islands mm -hmm. for that to happen on. Um, so, so then let's talk a little bit about how the, the map itself, right? What are the different types of maps that you could possibly have? Um, so we talked uh, a second ago about um, the Mighty Empire style, um, which is effectively just a grid map, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a hex grid. Um, you could also very easily have um, a square grid. The, the nice thing about the hex grids is they lend themselves more to, um, to evenly distributed movement, right? It's kind of like a... Uh, so it's closer to a circle than a square is. Mm -hmm. So when you go off in any direction, yeah. um, it feels more like you're moving the same amount. Right. Um, but really, it's just an, uh, a handy way to divide up a map. Actually, the downside of the hex grid, as I'm finding right now, is that, that it's very hard to label um, the grid. Um, where these, so, so if you have a square grid... Mm -hmm. You can just have, you know, X and Y axis and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, oh yeah you can plot it. But on a hex grid, you can't, you can't really do right. that quite the same. Um, and so um, mostly what, um, yeah. So, th so you're so talking you, software now. Well, no, e even just in general, it's like, if you want to, if you want to distribute a map or refer to a, a location on the map, it's like, mm. oh, it's, it's, you know, go around to this headland in the right. island I and then go to assign numbers three to each hexes. one. You, you could, but on a really big map, that's, yeah. that's quite so, a lot of numbers. Yeah. yeah so, so I haven't done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, so that's kind of the hex map. Um, I think then the other type of map that, that people have used before that I've seen is the, the quadrant map, right? So regions or, or the regions or sections or whatever you yeah. want to call it, mm. um, where you've just taken a map and you kind of arbitrarily divide it up into, into areas. Yeah. Or you might say, Hey, this big area of planes would be a lot faster to move through. So, right. You know, that's all one area. And or, then this one the, little mountain pass would be one area. So it's different from the so, kind of very regular hex map in which yeah. you can be like, you have three movement points to use, and that's what you use to move between hexes. Whereas yeah. in, yep. in the kind of quadrant map, things are different sizes, yeah. and it's harder to work out how things actually equate. Yeah. And Correct. that's what came with, uh, with the General's Compendium, came with a map that was like that. Yeah. Um, and I think the way that they did it was um, the roads... Um, long and thin sections yeah. for each road. So representing the fact that if you controlled the road, um, you could move down that road very quickly. And the mm -hmm. same for rivers. Yep, yep. That's um, the way it worked. And, uh, and then the bridges in the rivers became very important um, tactical points because... Crossroads and bridges. Yeah. yeah, the only way you could get across the river safely was if there was a bridge, mm -hmm. um, which meant that there were a lot of battles. A lot of fights over bridges, which, which is, is awesome. very accurate yeah, as well. Right? Exactly, yeah. 
So uh, um, I like the quadrant um, section on my app. Um, it's just it's harder to produce, I think, than a than a, a regular one because um, although there is a nice border princess one that you can just download and use, and that's that's pretty cool mm -hmm. if you if you don't mind fighting there. Um, I think the reason that I didn't go with one like that um, for our campaign was because of the number of players. Right. Um, so even looking at the border princess one, it's it's got about a hundred sections. With 12 players, um, that means everybody's going to be pretty close to everybody Stepping else. Stepping on each other's toes Stepping pretty quick. it very quickly. Um, and, and what I actually needed um, was the ability for some people, you know, for me to be able to say, oh, well, this turn they weren't playing because they were off on vacation or, you know, I couldn't reach them for whatever reason. So, oh, they've, they've decided to go explore this other island and, mm -hmm. uh, and off they've gone, right? So I can take control of them and do something beneficial for them without it interfering with what everybody else is doing. Yeah, right. Um, so stuff, stuff like that was kind of what, what drove me away from the, the section. I think for like a four-player game or a five-player game, a yeah. sectional mm -hmm. would be way better. Yeah, right. for um, sure. So, so that's kind of the second one. Any any um, other advantages or dis? Has any of you, have either of you played with a sectional map in a campaign before? Yeah. 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 What did you? How did you find it? Um, well, like you were saying, with a large, we played it with a large number of p players, and it was, um, it was horrible because <laughs> because we were just instantly smashed into each other mm. and you were fighting the same people over and over and over and over and that's one one of the big disadvantages to to map campaigns is you can end up fighting the same person over and over and over unless you figure out a way to work in alliances and things like that so yeah and yeah. and so it's part of why i wanted to gm Rather than to have you know a bunch of rules, I wanted people to be able to say, "Hey, I want to try this," and for me to be able to come up with a way mm -hmm. for that to work. Yeah, um, and uh, and also part of the reason why I have things on islands is so that people can say, "Oh, you know what? I am really fed up fighting against these same three opponents. I want to go and try another island, um, and you know, just get on their boats and disappear." Right. Yep. Um, so there's that possibility as well, or to be spread out across, you know, all of the islands. You guys don't know how many islands there are. Mm. Um, uh, one player knows how many islands there are. Whoa. Somebody's been exploring. So just to fill people in, we've all been provided with this kind of picture of the islands kind of shrouded in mist. We can see like whatever little corner of whatever island our faction has landed on. Yep. Um, and I guess we're going to start exploring yep. this week. Yep. Uh, um, there are more there. Yeah. There is one player who knows all of the, uh, the whole map. And for some fluff reason, for some fluff reason. Yep. Mm. Yep. The original inhabitants of the islands. Maybe. Some kind of who lives mm. near Albion for me is right. Yeah, yeah the undead. Anyway, anyway, so so stuff like mm. that will be revealed over the course of the campaign. We need to make an alliance with this person and purchase their maps. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so so the the yeah, the map. Let let's talk about that a little bit. I, I when I built the map, I wanted to not have everyone know everything about the map. Sure didn't make a lot of sense to me. This was supposed to be somewhere where none of the, uh, well, or most of the armies had never been before. Right. Um, and also, um, I wanted to make it such that it made sense 
that people had armies the size of the battles that we fight typically in Warhammer, mm -hmm. right? You know, so if I said it in the Empire, it's like, why wouldn't the Empire just send, you know, 10,000 sure. points of troops and smush whatever it is you brought over? Mm -hmm. um, whereas if, Everything's supposed to be like an expeditionary force kind uh, of yeah, thing. Pretty yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, and the islands are quite small, so they could never really. I mean, they're they're big enough, but they're not they're not so big that they could really support a huge population mm -hmm. or a huge standing military, right? So um, you kind of got to think a little bit about that, I think, whenever you're putting your map mm -hmm. together. Um, and I wanted to have that fog of war idea, right. um, or in this case, the fog of exploration. Yeah. Um, you, you certainly, you, you will know where troops are, but only because your scouts have told you. And so your scouts may be wrong um, or, you know, <gasps> things could change or, you Poor know. So why do you, why do you talk a little bit about how you designed that map, like with a particular types of terrain you knew you wanted to have in there? And were you, you know, did you create like a, a history for this yeah. region by like... So, yeah. so I, I'll go into that in just a sec. I just want to talk about the very last kind of map that there might mm. be, um, uh, that we can think of anyway. There might be others, and I'm happy to hear them if anybody's thought of them. And then I'll go into, you know, the kind of methodology behind it. Um, the, the, this is the open sort of narrative map. Right. You know, here's your map. Uh, a little bit like the Tamarkan yeah. or, or something along those lines. So, right, when we said before, pretty much every campaign is tied to a map. In some campaigns, the map might not be kind of interactive in the campaign, like what we've just been talking about yeah. with a hex map that you know, you know what you control and stuff. Some campaigns are just like the Tamakan one, where the map is part of the narrative, and you can kind of trace where this, uh, where these events are happening over, but it's not really playing. Yep, very, very much so. It's yeah. not interactive. And um, I think those are great. Um, I think they're probably better for shorter yeah, campaigns exactly. um, where it's like maybe you have uh, um, two or three factions um, and you have a very clear kind of uh, Archaeon is invading mm -hmm, or, yeah. you know, whatever it is that happens to be going on. And, and you're going to, you know, you're going to reach an end point and maybe you have an idea of what the sort of, some of the stepping stones might be. Um, I think if you've got a lot of time on your hands, you could probably do a great job of it as a GM. I, I, I don't think I had anywhere near enough time to be able to update like a purely open narrative map like right. that. So um, I went with the, with the hex sort of map. So, so you were saying about um, how how I how I went about um, designing what I wanted on it. Yeah. Um, so, so I had to think a bit about you know how many islands was enough. Um, how big did each island need to be in terms of hexes, um, you know, across, up and down, um, you know, and how many miles was that going to roughly translate into, so that it made sense that the you know the Banner, you know, any any army that was in a certain hex couldn't see the army in the hex next mm -hmm. door, um, um, or maybe it just about could, you know, because there were scouts or whatever else, you know. But that was as far as your kind of your your vision extended, mm -hmm. um, and and what would it what would impact that and and all that. So, um, and knowing what armies were going to be in the campaign also right. kind of affected it, right? So. Uh, we'll have a dwarf army and a chaos dwarf army. Um, so there's got to be mountains, right? right? It just didn't make any sense mm -hmm. for there not to be any mountains. 
Um, and in general, you know, we have um, things that make make uh, make battles more interesting. Um, Got to be good physical features. So there's forests, yeah. there's rivers, there's lakes, there's um, towns, villages. Mm, um, so there is some kind of population who lives there. Yeah. Yeah, on this island has an indigenous population. Um, there, there is, and that's where that one player, sure. who knows the stuff that's going on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna post a little bit about sort of um, common knowledge, mm -hmm. um, as much as anyone has of any of it. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, like, how much do you know about the map yet, in terms of what exactly everything is, or are you just kind of going to make it up as you go along? Like, have you decided this mountain has gold in it? If somebody mines here, they get a load of money. This mountain has iron. If somebody mines here, they get weapons. This is a very productive don't tell him river. That. This is Don't a productive lake that. for fishing in. He's, or trying to, he's trying to get a filler. I'm not trying to get information. I'm just, I'm just yeah. trying to give a, get a sense of like how much, you know, <laughs> how much I've done in advance. Right. Or if somebody's like, uh, if somebody's like, I'm going to try and like exploit this resource, and you're like, okay, this is what was there, you know? Yeah. So just as you go along. So um, the the short answer is I haven't done any of that kind of detail. Um, but the longer answer is, um, the way that I want to treat it is what makes a good story. Sure. So if someone comes to me and says, I want to go and chop down those trees so that I can build ships. I'm like, okay, you're going to spend, you know, you're going to spend a turn, a campaign turn, which is, you know, uh, probably a number of weeks or a month or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, chopping down those trees, um, building some, some ships, um, you know, I'm going to get them to make some kind of role. Um, and that will judge, you know, the quality of the ships that they've got based on the timber that they were able to get or whatever else, right? And likely the same thing's going to happen for people that want. Dwarves would have the perfect lumber, though. You think so? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the perfect ships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want to build ships? How it would though? However, <laughs> if you're going to try and build ships in a month, you're going to have not so perfect lumber and not so perfect ships. You know. You want to take. You'd the, think, but we're dwarves. You want to so. take the six years that the dwarves cast, would a cast take. Cast iron and, ship. And yeah. like hundreds of years, my ship will be done. Yeah. <laughs> so cast iron ship. Could you imagine? Yeah. So, so, um, that's kind of the, where I'm going sure. with it based, based yeah. on that. So you're not trying to, you, you're not doing anything that's going to restrict yourself in terms of what you can do later. No, exactly. Um, to exactly. the storyline. Yeah. So Sweet. I have all the physical features drawn out and, uh, um, any of the important significant sites, um, already mapped out. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, people have, either some tiny piece of the map or a reasonable chunk or the whole thing in the extreme case available to them. Um, and uh, yeah, everyone has a different set of missions and, and, and now they know what, what's going pretty on. Pretty cool. The Hobby Horse. So I guess moving on to how to create maps, what the did you of use hobby to... Uh, yeah, run right into the Hobby Horse. It? So, yeah, um, I went through a whole bunch of different things with this um, because I, I didn't have a tool that, you know, I could sit down and say, uh, okay, generate me a map, click. Mm -hmm. um, I did download one of those tools. Um, in fact, I downloaded a few. Um, turns out a lot of the good map making software seems to be Windows only um, and all written 10 plus years ago. Um, <laughs> but um, I did find a couple that were Java or so multi-platform or Mac specific. And I tried them all out. And a lot of them, I think, are lend themselves more to like 
real-time strategy games and and various other things. I'm not not sure that necessarily they work well for for Warhammer mm-hmm. um, because they tend to generate too much landmass. Um, and if you had that much landmass, it'd be very significant um, in the in the world. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't like the random. The generated, st- oh, the pardon me, the uh, randomly generated uh, maps that they were producing. Um, Use the civ map generator. That'd be fun. Oh yeah, from uh, civilization. Yeah, could you use that because I re- I remember making maps with that all the time. Yeah, that is actually a pretty cool map generator. Yeah, now that I think about paint, it, paint paint some trees in. <laughs> yeah, paint some mountains in. Um, source seeds. So before you, before you even got to the um like software phase of this did you sit down and like just sketch some stuff out on paper as to how you would want things to look broadly i I did um and you know i kind of came up with this idea for a group of islands Mm -hmm. and uh um, archipelago i wonder if they make a picture yeah code (laughs) (laughs) maybe um and so i I did sketch them out on paper first and then I scanned the paper and, um, you know, kind of, this was my outline. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't work very well. Um, I, and, and what I eventually ended up doing, um, was I used this piece of software called OmniGraffle, um, which is, um, actually built here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's probably, I think it's about a hundred bucks or something like that. Um, it is it is fantastic for doing diagrams, and mm-hmm. I use it all the time in work for you know um, all the different diagrams and charts I have to do in work. Why didn't you just use Adobe Illustrator? I'm not that smart. Um, also, Adobe Illustrator is yeah yeah. You guys might know how to use it. <laughs> um, it it's also like five hundred bucks or some ridiculous amount. Mm, not anymore. You can get um, you can get subscriptions now. Oh okay. And it's it would be nine dollars a month. Or like wow yeah okay so you can get all the different Adobe softwares so people who want to take pictures of their models you can do that now too to get Photoshop and do that oh nice stuff. I just get free Adobe Creative Suite yeah, from work me too but yeah you know still jerks <laughs> um, so I'm I'm very familiar and comfortable with OmniGraffle I did our digital representation of the of the middle uh, mighty empires mm-hmm. uh, map on mm-hmm. that as well cool. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's a lot about creating primitive shapes and moving them around and copying them and, and, and so forth. And it, it, it lends itself to this kind it of works. thing. It works. That's right. Um, and it I has... you put enough detail in. Like if I zoom in, does it go into street view? Yeah. And I can see. <laughs> it does. You can see the chaos dwarves <laughs> walking around. Yeah. I want to see the, the front of that tavern. Yep. Yep. Invade the tavern! No! <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I did was, um, it has a a little kind of freehand tool for drawing shapes um and you know you basically draw the outline of a shape and then it joins it all together and it treats it like a shape mm-hmm. so i can cut and paste that shape and what have you um so so i did that for the islands and then i i would cut and paste and shrink and um, squeeze to make like the mountain so if i wanted to kind of have a, you know if you can imagine you know just a Mm. vaguely yeah to do the topographical yeah just to do the topographical, yeah, topographical stuff yeah mm. so that I had some mountains and then it just you know blue lines for rivers and lakes and what have you and then um, just some simple icons for for towns and 
and that cool. sort of thing. Cool. So one hint, if you are going to be using software, make sure and use software with layers. Um, and understand, use use the mm -hmm. layers and get a, get a hang so of that. Like layer the, the hexes over the top. Of, well, so you yeah. can start with like your you know your 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 C layer on the bottom, and then you put the islands on top of that, mm -hmm. and then I um, I put the towns on top of that, and then the grid on top of that, and all of that stuff kind of gets locked in place. Right. And then um, I have a layer for each player. Ooh, exactly. Right. That's um, what I. So I've done. I've done. A, a fog of war map based campaign too and that's what i was doing i used layers and then i had each player had their layer that started black and it was a, a mask and i just would delete the section they've explored and it would show them the the area underneath yep and i'm pretty much doing the same yep. thing i've got kind of white cloud on top of everything so um people can't see mm -hmm. beyond you know literally what their army can see and then as they start to explore, that will recede. Yeah. Um, and each yeah. person has their own layer. Yeah. And I also put, so so I'm using um, this concept of banners um, where each army has a number of points. Um, uh, one point is 500 um, mm -hmm. Warhammer points. And each army, they have different numbers of points. Nobody has the same number. Well, if you do, but... but <laughs> Um, the same number of total points. Total, in the, the number of total points mm -hmm. is is not fixed, um, and so obviously you know depending on their fluff they have more or less. And uh, ah, I should have changed my fluff. <laughs> <laughs> my massive army yeah, has gone to completely crush and the invade entire this dwarven nation is moving to the islands. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, e each. Um, each banner then is on a layer and is on that same layer as well. So if I want to, you know, kind of show um, two players who are near each other, I just show both those layers. You mm -hmm. can easily hide and show the different layers. So, so this is much more a, a campaign where the, the map is even much more interactive than in something like Mighty Empires because you do have your kind of forces split. You have to move forces individually and yeah for sure whereas mighty empires was kind of like these are the areas you control but now your whole army just hops over to the other side of the island there to yeah. fight this other dude yeah yeah and and some things that i've done it, you know i've restricted what people can take in their armies mm -hmm. um you know I, i've said things like um you can't have these um you can't have this unit because you don't have a way to build that unit right. yet and so you're going to have to kind of figure out a way to be able to build that unit. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that is then some impetus beyond just, you know, kill, smash, destroy. It's, oh, I've got to go gather resources. I've got to figure out where these things are. And I've got to set up trade. I've got to do, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, and then... Um, in that regard, I'll allow people to say, well, I'm going to, you know, send this banner over here and try and start finding timber to build, you know, trebuchets. Well, I don't have a Bretonian player, so this is a good, safe example. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, um, so, you know, the, the, the map definitely lends itself to that. Now, what I don't have marked out is I don't have, uh, oh, here's a forest, you know, um, or anything like that. The general assumption is, that the that it is it is you know fairly untamed um and that means it's going to be you know uh, mixed terrain of, mm -hmm. um all over the place and you'll you'll kind of be able to 
I, I'm just kind of going to make that up as I go along as, as again, suits, helps to suit the story. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's entirely digital. Um, you, I can zoom right in and, and people can see the hexes that they're in. Um, I just downloaded a transparent hex grid, um, just Googled for transparent hex grid and boom, there it is. Mm. Um, and then just resized it to something that seemed to make sense for the scale that I had. Um, but you can absolutely not go digital. I think the the, the digital helps when you're doing a big campaign. Like right, this. to keep track yeah. of players, yeah, and especially so in this where, you know, each player can see different things even. Yeah, so. yeah. and you can very easily Google for like a topographical palette. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, you know, there's just five or six colors that they use for making uh, physical maps in geography anyway. And that way it starts to, you know, people look at it and go, oh, it's green. That means it's, you know, low down and it goes up to kind of, you know, the browns right. into, into the mountains and mm-hmm. what have you. Um, so I, I think if you're going to be running a smaller campaign, um, you know, you've got a bunch of other options to you. I think the Mighty Empires tiles are, are the Mighty Empires tiles really, really nice. nice. Yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah, and That's they, a good set. They, uh, you know, the fact that you can paint them once and then click them apart and put them back together into a different configuration. And I, I think um, if you're, yeah, if you're not good at software to create these big maps, or if you're not good with if you just enjoy doing something more yeah, tangible then i think that's stuff. definitely an easy map and and like we 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 already mentioned some of the pitfalls of that but um i think a lot of that also was you know the mindset of the easy win scenario you could use that same set of tiles to do what aiden's doing and create yeah, more right. more of a you know, big narrative. Because in that set, you yeah. get the little flags that you can paint up in the different yeah. colors for the armies and yeah. put them around. And the the Blood in the Bantlands book is a good example of that. Theirs was a pretty epic campaign, mm-hmm. and they used the Mighty Empires to kind of map that mm-hmm. out. And um, I think the the it, it depends on how you want to run your campaign, mm-hmm. right? You know, I really wanted to have that that fog of, of exploration sure. and so forth. So that meant that I um, I didn't want people to be able to come and look at right. a physical version of the map. Yeah, And definitely the physical version works out better, kind of as we discovered last time. If you have a small gaming group who meet up on a regular night or something and everyone's together, yeah. then having the physical map is would be great because you, know, you can all see it together, work out what's going to happen. Yeah. Our campaigns seem to be, apart from the actual games themselves, where people make meet up it's all generally done over the forum and via email yeah. and stuff basically so in that case having a physical the, map yeah. doesn't isn't that much of an advantage because n- nobody can really get yeah. together and look at it yeah anyway. i painted it we put it together <laughs> and then yeah. aiden ended up digitizing it anyways just so that everybody could yeah, right could so we it. could all yeah. kind of peruse it at our own you know time. like you said there were too many people to actually yeah. But absolutely, Get if you have a small group mm-hmm. and you meet up in one spot having the map, that would be yeah. really cool because you all arrive, look yep. at the map, work, work out where things are happening this week. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And there's something, I think there's something visceral about, sure. about you know, actually putting your flag. Right. It's like, <laughs> um, like Eddie Azard says, exactly. you haven't conquered Do you have a flag? Until you've got a flag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the the other thing we live here. <laughs> Do you have a flag? So besides the digital and the tiles, then there's just straight up sitting down and drawing them and painting them out, mm-hmm. kind of yeah. maps, or even just f- 
doing a giant printout of yeah. some mm -hmm. map you find online yeah. and yeah a paper map yeah. for sure i mean that's yeah. that's kind of when you ask if someone to envision a map that's what they think right of. Mm -hmm. um, rolling a mighty chart yeah, um, there's there's some cool stuff you can do. Um, there's a lot of antique maps that you can Google for and download and just yeah. use that as kind of, hey, this is some section of the old world. You know, mm -hmm. Maybe it's counties somewhere in the old world or whatever. Um, uh, you can also, um, there's a whole bunch. Of, if you go to Cartographers, Cartographers Guild, I think it is, .com, is a huge uh, forum just of people who enjoy making maps either for role-playing games or video games or just mm. because they're map nerds. Mm. Um, there's a whole pile of software listed there, lots of finished maps. A lot of the time people just say, you know, um, just credit me when you, when you use it anywhere. Um, so there's a lot of uh, um, cool stuff there. Also, like tiles and textures and, and anything you want if you're building a digital one. So. Yeah. I used to do a lot of map drawing back in the day. Yeah. Back in my geologist days, all we would do <laughs> is draw geological maps. Yep. I hope you've put accurate geology into your, yeah, I have. Into your map. I have, yeah. yeah. Of course. I have. Of course, yeah. Yeah, there's rocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one other type of map is, I think, kind of the the hobby orgasm map, which is you know the three D um, model that represents the the area that you're mm -hmm. playing in. Um, the General's Compendium has a beautiful example of that, um, where where I think it was like an eight by six board that they built. It had mountains. It had Ooh. a river running through it. Mm. Um, it had towns, and then and then for the banners that they represented the armies, um, they would use the the war little master, little war master oh, yeah. models, mm -hmm. and and move literally move them around the board mm -hmm. like like uh, you know World War II I would generals want pushing the stick, the big croupier like, yeah, stick, push yeah, my, yeah, push my armies, you around. and everyone else, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that I think. I think that really lends itself to the small intimate gaming group, you know, um, where it's like, this is you and your buddies and you all you go to the hobby every, project every week. You, yeah. You yeah. build, you build it up together because you're going to want to get your use out of that thing. Right. Um, but you know, that is something that those are going to be memories that you're, you're going to have for a long time. You built something like that. So, mm -hmm. um, if you do have something like that, please send me photos because I want to see it. That that's yeah, incredibly that inspirational awesome. um, and uh, always exciting to see people taking the hobby to an extreme degree. So yeah, um, and then when you do have something like that, or you have the Mighty Empires, or something, even if you just have a paper map to the right scale, um, there's a lot of cool things that you can start to do in terms of props to go with that, right? Um, you can, you know, uh, in the digital world, all I've done is said to people, you know, tell me the two colors for your army so that I can create like little shields and banners mm -hmm. to represent them in the, in the thing. But um, with, with those more hobby oriented maps, um, you can then start to, there's lots of little um, cities and, yeah. and castles and, and various other things you can get from uh, GW does some, um, they have old ones that they used to do. Yeah. Uh, there are, you know, any number of manufacturers for little things like yeah. when that. somebody decides to cut a forest down for lumber, you can come along with the plastic cutters and just. <laughs> <start> <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a couple of years before those regrow. <laughs> yeah, the the thing we would do when I would do my maps, I would um, mount them on a big piece of sheet metal, and everybody would make their banners on magnets. I'd give them a bunch of magnets, and then we could move the magnets around with their shields or mm. some people would use heads from models or whatever and 
you know, nice. move those around and then that could sit, you know, on the wall or wherever and the magnets would keep it from getting shifted around. So. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, what I haven't yet seen is, is some good software or a good website that makes it easier for you to actually run the campaign. There was supposed to be, um, the guys who make Army Builder were supposed to be making one, but I, I'm not sure if it ever truly happened or if it just turned into more of an RPG kind of thing. Yeah, there's a few that are RPG that maybe one of some of those might help. Um, but, you know, keeping track of, you know, how many, obviously the, the campaigns are very kind of... Um, specific depending on what rules you're using mm-hmm. yeah. um but keeping track of you know how many banners people have and where are they and 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 sending out the um the map updates and you know taking people's turns and all of that sort of stuff um I, I don't think there's an easy way to do that at the moment um, not really no there's uh, a lot of manual labor involved yep so yeah. i hope you buggers all appreciate what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. i uh, should have capped it at like six players i've done it this. too no i think uh, the reason i didn't cap it at six players is because then it's a pain when one person's not able to play yeah, that's true um and with the 12 it's like there's so much going on that if one person isn't there, it doesn't disrupt the whole group. Mm-hmm. It doesn't disrupt the whole campaign. And someone can drop out and it not really matter. Um, and other people can join. And I, I don't mind. I think once it's flowing, it'll be pretty straightforward. Um, and, you know, I have a, um, I have an hour commute every day and mm. there and back. And when I'm on the bus, it's not too much of a big deal to just kind of update the maps and what have you. So that is kind of, is there anything else we want to say about, you know, the hobby side of, of building maps? No. For the campaign. Watercolors. Well, what? Watercolors. You like to draw them with watercolors? Yeah, watercolors and pens. I'll, I'll, um, I'll send PDFs to you to um, post up of, I have a big one for Tilia that's hex-based, and the hexes are considerably smaller than... Um, normal because I it was going to be a rather large number of players and uh, so that one has Tilia and uh, some of the border princes a little bit but you know it would technically have Skaven Blight on there too so cool um, and then I also have a big Bretonian one that I've made too and that one has Athelorand and a little corner of the Empire and then all of Bretonia I've seen that one so yeah that's nice I'll send uh, I'll send you guys pdfs and you can upload them so people can download them if they want to use them please yeah. do yeah yeah i'll throw them on the i'll throw uh, them on the blog oversized meatball um and that also brings us to the end of episode 12 um like i mentioned earlier if you want to um tweet with us you can you can get me at at, Kesk- <laughs> at, at cascade podcast and <laughs> uh, ricky is uh, ricky underscore fisher um tom doesn't tweet yes. Stuck in the dark ages. Yeah. Still. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us or like us on Facebook. Um, just uh, search for the Dimensional Cascade Podcast. And I don't, I don't really bring anything to the table. I don't know why you guys keep me around still. Yeah, it's it's a mystery I don't to do me any too. Yeah. You don't even bring beer. I don't. You don't, you beer. don't paint models. I don't paint models. I don't do voices. <laughs> it's actually because we. It's because we like your wife, you know. We, yeah, we like, pity like, your wife. Let's try to give her a night off. Every <laughs> now and then. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So she appreciates it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, you can you can join the forums dimensionalcascade.com um, and uh, or comment on the blog, which is dimensionalcascade.com/blog. Um, and those are all the different ways to interact with us. You can send us email, um, whatever. There's plenty of ways. Um, I think in make the, your own podcast and call us out on it. Yeah. <laughs> People have done that too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but thanks very much for listening, and we will be back hopefully in, in a couple of weeks with another episode. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Bye. You hang up. No, no, no. You hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up. Okay, I'm muting you. <laughs>